You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Count Out provides a wide variety of bonus content that is right at your fingertips. On the Count Out Patreon, our podcasts are creating bonus content exclusively for you, their listener. For only $5 a month, you can watch instant reactions to major shows, watch-alongs, early access to main feed podcasts, some fun goof and gag audio, plus shows from some of the podcasters' outside interests. It's the best way to experience all that the Countout Network has to offer. So head on down to patreon.com slash countout to take part in some of the best and most fun content wrestling has to offer. Again, that is patreon.com slash countout. and welcome to ring post radio the only show where we do opening intros only once and never twice i'm your host ryan knightsey and with me as always is the man the myth the legend himself scotty edwards scotty how are you doing today i'm doing great you know it's i never expected this to happen this week just because like i looked at the lineups for everything and yeah collision was exciting and things like that but this has ended up being one of my favorite weeks in wrestling this year and i did not expect that at all i don't even know if i could say it was because of dynamite which is usually like a key cog in the machine yeah um to the week being great i don't i I don't think i was like i thought dynamite was fine Mm -hmm. that tells you how much uh greatness was everywhere else and that's a nice feeling once in a while um Obviously, it was pretty crazy week, but also I thought it was a really good week of wrestling. So I'm here to talk about it. I guess, huh? That 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 does that sell everyone? The I guess. <laughs> yeah, no. It it was a. It, what also helped about it, like being such a great week, is that it felt like the wrestling was you know stretched out, like being having strong mm. on Tuesday and Wednesday and. You know, of course, you have Dynamite on Wednesday, but then it's like, you know, and then Saturday is filled with indie goodness. Uh, you know, some Tokyo Joshi Pro had their Summer Sun Princess show. Uh, we're not going to talk about that here today, but I know that main event, you were loving that main event. Um, which I, all I loved. I was going to ask. The rest of the show is bad. I was going to ask. <laughs> give me that wreck. Is the main event only the only good thing to watch there? Yep. All right. The rest Day. of the show was <laughs> bad <laughs> uh i think dragon gate started their tournament their king of uh, king of i was gonna say king of trios that's chikara uh king of gate king of gate uh um, everything that dragon gate has just has gate in it just, yeah just that's, assume that it's gate <laughs> a fair point a fair point indeed um but yeah no it, it's been a it's been a the tournament season the summer of wrestling feels like it's finally starting to kick in this week was the start point because then crazy right because tournament season hasn't even started well, you're... <laughs> well i guess king of game yeah, like, uh, no but like everyone no offense to dragon gate but everyone does look to the g1 as like the official start yeah i think and well that's not till next weekend so yeah. until until then 
I don't. I won't say it's officially started. And technically, no I think we've had three other tournaments: the King of Gate tournament, the Owen Hart tournament, and this Blind Eliminator Tag Team tournament. Yeah, that one doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I saw I I saw the Butcher and Matt Menard on my screen. That doesn't count. Oh, well, you don't want you don't want Magic Meat. You don't want the Magic Meat tag team. No one ever. No one has ever said they want Magic Meat ever. <laughs> well. Ever. I think a select group of people have said that they want magic meat. Yeah, you right now. You were a big Matt Menard <laughs> and Butcher fan. That's right. That that sounds like an MLW tag team if I've ever seen one. Um <laughs> Well, we're not gonna talk about MLW today, but you know, that also that had a main event that was pretty good. You'll do our you'll do your best to do so. I'm gonna I'm gonna squeeze in as much as possible. Um but yeah, no, we got a a, a jam packed show for everybody today. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, previewing a lot of stuff. You know, next week is Triple Mania to Tijuana, which has Ugh, the Omega. Such a bad show. Omega. Well, we got the main <laughs> event being Omega and Vikingo, uh, and then Roosh, and then, and then Roosh. I don't know, maybe in uh, a tag team match. We have a Impact Slammiversary is also next week. Um, we are going to be talking about some news regarding um, NWA. And potentially a TV deal that they have acquired, talking about uh, you know the, the, what's happening with blood and guts, talking about AEW collision and giving sort of an overview scope about whether or not we feel that it's month working one. or not. Month yeah, month one scope of how it's working out so far, and we're gonna start our show. Oh, also, we're gonna review New Japan Strong. I should say that the two shows from New Japan Strong. But we're gonna start off our show today talking about Jerry McDivitt. Jeremy Divot, the longtime counsel for WWE, WWF, uh, announced uh, a couple days ago via WrestleNomics, really, that he is retiring. He is setting up his retirement. Um, this happens during the middle of this MLW WWE um, uh, lawsuit that is taking place. Um, Jeremy Divot will no longer, and not only retiring, but is no longer representing WWE in this antitrust lawsuit case filed by MLW. That case is being moved on to the group called Paul Weiss, Rifkind, Wharton, and Garrison LLP. Um, so they are, ooh, what's that? Oh, here we go. My man is here. Okay, hold on. Let me move everything. Let me move all my stuff around. Boop. Oh, no, that's the wrong. Uh, thing. He got quick. He came here quicker than I thought. He came I in was, quicker. I, than... I was trying to tell him he could have waited till nine central. He came oh. in quicker than a hiccup. Uh, no, perfect. No, you're here. I love it. Uh, I ran. I, I literally just woke up. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, well thank what, you. What an entrance. We are joined today. Uh, of course. Uh, <laughs> what an entrance. Missing the beginning of the show, but that's totally fine. We don't we forgive. It's my that. fault, to be fair. It I don't Scott. think I ever said Eastern. I think I just said nine or ten a.m. And I'm such a geographical narcissist that if not corrected, <laughs> I just assume Central Time. And it's I okay. I do the why. same with Eastern, so it's fine. That's uh, fair. But JD hey. of yes. the of the Mike and JD show is here. Yes. Uh welcome. Thank you. I'm I'm never recorded a podcast in the daytime before, so this is this is new for me. Mike and I, Mike lives in Honolulu, and I live in Chicago. I live in um, rural area near Chicago, so uh, we record at like odd hours usually. Well, yeah, I've been on your show before. It's like 
1 a.m. I jump in and I'm like, yeah, all right, that's crazy. <laughs> it is. It is. It's very different. So I'm like, wow, this like this can be done during during the sunlight hours. This is this is different. <laughs> so thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Sorry, I'm I'm late. There's a my bad. No, you were it's, fine. You were completely it, I, fine. I said I said it. I said it to Ryan beforehand. I was like, I definitely didn't say Easter, <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, or even if I did, I probably should have been like send that reminder because that's something i need otherwise like when when you jd knows this but like when you set something up with garrett he's doing pacific time and i just (laughs) i'm like five o'clock okay i'm ready and then like it's three hours away and i'm like oh shit okay that's my bad that's like when mike and i set like have a guest we'll have like multiple different time zones yeah because he's all the way out in honolulu and i'm here and we never ever have a guest that lives in either of our time zones so it's always (laughs) it's always messed up but uh i'm here now so yay Uh, yeah thanks for having me on we're happy to have you on here jd of course for the mike and jd show um yeah i just talking about the time zones i just recorded a show with uh okada shorts it was me on eastern standard time zone someone else in london someone else in australia uh, and that was I recorded at 9 a.m. Uh, here, and then the Australian guy recorded at 9 p.m. where he is, and it was oh, a, wow. it was a blast. And that a sounds more difficult. It was yeah. it was a, a a producing nightmare, but we got it done. Uh, we're happy to have you on, JD. Uh, thank happy you, thank you for being here. Uh, we want to talk to you. Of course, you are from the Make Mike and JD show, but you're also a writer. You're also, mm-hmm. uh, as I've been told, an author. An author, to be exact. Writing, you're working on a wrestling book. Is that correct? Yeah, it's. Um, I've written a handful of novels, so mm. I'm, I'm working on my first uh, nonfiction piece. It's very different. Like I've written um, a lot. You know, um, not quite as prolific as Scott. I used to be fairly prolific in wrestling during the pandemic. I had lots of time. Uh, now <laughs> that life is back to normal, not quite yeah. as much. So I decided I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do. Um, a book about the uh, the Chicago territory of the 1950s, specifically, um, not not just like the Fred Kohler stuff, but kind of like kind of like an overview of of the city of Chicago and why wrestling kind of worked there. So um, it's taking a longer time than I would like to do the research. Sure. And uh, a major problem that I've run into is a lot of the people are dead. So. <laughs> that, that makes things a little. I don't bit mean more to laugh at death, but no, but <laughs> it's like, hey man, I'm, I'm the guy who just said, hey, I'm gonna write about something that happened 75, 80 years ago. That's that sounds great. So, um, but it's uh, yeah, man, I, I, it's a fascinating subject. I think uh, there's a lot of parallels between what Calder did in the 1950s and what Vince McMahon did in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. He just had he didn't have the same type of vision that Vince McMahon did. He tried to kind of keep things. He tried to pretend like things were gonna be fine with the NWA. Whereas Vince McMahon was totally like obliterate the NWA because like the differences in culture in the 1950s and 1980s have been played into it. Like in the 1950s, unions were really strong. In the 1980s was the, you know, the rise of, you know, uh, 80s guy, Wall Street era stuff. So it was a completely different cultural mentality at the time. So this is, it's, um it's very, it, it, what I consider like a real interesting look on on what wrestling could have been or would have been. And it really kind of depressed me because like when people talk about the territory days, they're talking about the seventies and eighties. Sure. And like, there really wasn't anything here in Chicago at the time. Like Chicago wound up being this no man's land. It was split between Vern Gagne and Dick, the bruiser with their mm-hmm. territories. So like there was no, Hey, I'm going to go to Chicago. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. was another town between two territories. And it's kind of sad because the generation prior 
it was the heart of professional wrestling. And that's really the I'd heart. I'd say it is again now, too. It really is. And it's fun. <laughs> the fun part about that is because it was that way. I mean, they're, you yeah. know, Kohler was running multiple shows a night, and there, there are people that were coming in trying to steal the territory out from underneath them. And it's just, it's going to be a, it, when I get it finished, it's going to be a really <laughs> cool story that I'm uh, really excited to tell. But again, I want to, when you're doing, when I'm writing a fiction book, if I just want to make up something, I'm just like, yeah, and this happened here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure. It's fine. Yeah. But you can't do that in nonfiction. So yeah. I want to, I got to make sure. Like I know what I want to say, but I need to I need to actually talk to some primary sources. I need to actually talk to somebody that was there that can that can that can give me the first hand perspective and not just um the the not just the accounts that you find from old newspapers or, sure. or other books that have been written. So um probably about a year away from having that thing out, but I'm having a lot of fun putting it together so far. Well, that's very exciting. That's I I can't yeah. wait to read that. Uh, I know I know in my world in film, like that that idea of putting together a fictionized story is you know it has its own difficulties as well. But putting mm-hmm. together like a documentary, you know, it's very much like I hear the constant phrase of like you have you're you're discovering the story, and mm-hmm. you're you're basically you're combing through all this data, combing through all this history, combing through all this stuff and footage, and then trying to find the story, trying to find whatever that you know you can put to film uh out the out of the rubble i guess and i well, it's it, funny go ahead it's funny you say that but also you say that because that's actually what my degree was in was documentary filmmaking oh and beautiful I, yeah i made three documentary films and uh, i teach video production in high school that's my my shoots job if you will so <laughs> this is uh i, I don't want to i don't want to make videos anymore make movies anymore so this is kind of writing is kind of my way to scratch that creative itch so yeah that's is i'm literally attacking it the same way i would attack creating a documentary project so well that's fantastic uh, what yeah. do you have a title for the book so people can i know it's a year at least no. a year out okay, <laughs> fair enough i will we'll, i will make sure to follow along you'll say it on the mike and jd show i'm sure so i'll i'll make sure to let everyone know when you but when you do get to that i know it's still pretty early um but you also have a sub stack going yeah which everyone can kind of follow along themselves yeah, I'm doing a Substack piece. Um, I've got a fiction wrestling book that should be coming out within the next oh, cool. six months or so. So um, I'm kind of using my Substack to kind of get kind of get the name out there again. Um, I was writing with Garrett. I was writing with a couple other sites for a while. And again, when when the, the pandemic ended and I went back to teaching, I kind of had to pull back on that. So I've got this new Substack going where I just kind of talk about you know old wrestling stuff like and then mike and i will tend to use that stuff for uh, mm. as the basis for for our patreon shows yeah. um i had a piece on who should have been the black scorpion right that's one of um one of my favorite uh, uh, terrible storylines in wrestling. <laughs> sting you know people like, oh, sting couldn't draw well yeah look 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 what they were giving him right mm-hmm. so we did this whole thing on who should have been who should have been the black scorpion it, by the way the answer is eddie gilbert should have been eddie gilbert but um, and like uh, so I'm gonna do something. We're gonna record this week, and I'm gonna put a new piece out in a week about the invasion, the the WCW invasion. I wanna I wanna hopefully talk to my buddy John Muse, who's kind of um, kind of in the background when that was going on. You know, he he had some really, really cool invasion pitches that WWE did not wind up going with. So um, but it's really interesting to see what because I talked to him. He he's told me a story of what could have been. And it would have been a lot better, quite frankly. So that's the mm. story that we're going to look at this month with on the show, and I'll have the I'll have the piece out coming up for that. And I'm going to have a little thing with the Voices of Wrestling, and I've written them before. So later this week, hopefully, I got my first Voices of Wrestling piece out. So trying to wag me, trying to like dip my toes back into the writing about wrestling thing. That's good. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, love it. I'm I write for Voices of Wrestling, so 
well, well, yeah. uh, welcome to the club i guess Thanks. <laughs> in a lot of ways but yeah no that that all sounds great and uh of course everyone can check out the mike and jd show on the fight game media network there on the uh all platforms right all it's, all it's all the free platforms. show so um and then you have that great uh don Callis, kenny omega piece too that i think everyone would be really interested in that was uh that was kind of right when i got involved with garrett um yeah it's funny that went viral a little bit for us. And uh, right. it was kind of, it was kind of used as the backbone of the Kenny Omega heel turn. I remember watching that with my wife being like, he was I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so um, it was weird. I wrote this to get my feet back with writing again. Cause it started with fan side and I, I got out of writing and I, I got on with Garrett and he's like, Hey, I, so I wrote a really quick little thing just to get my feet wet again with that and being like, Oh yeah, Chris Jericho's 25th anniversary podcast change wrestling. And I, and you know wrote like an essay don Callis reached out to me on twitter he's like hey i like this piece do you want to write another one with me in mind and i'm like sure what do you, <laughs> got? What are you thinking and then he's like I'm, well this, this is the history of me and kenny omega and we were talking to garrett we had like this meeting and garrett's like what does he want I'm like i don't know but i want to write it out i think this could be fun like there's he's he's doing something he's up to yeah. something so again we had a really cool interview i think i asked three questions in the whole interview he knew exactly what he wanted to say and i'm like all right i'll write this this is this is, should be fun and it w- went really good for us like we you know it's still the most viewed thing on fight game ever you know we man i i got a ton of followers on twitter was that <laughs> you know didn't get richer than that but i got a lot of i got a lot of notoriety i guess from it so it was pretty cool you know it's uh and i wound up becoming like i said the backbone for one of my favorite feuds ever which is moxley and omega so to have played a tiny tiny part in it was a lot of fun quite frankly well, we're happy yeah. to have you on the show. We're happy to finally Thank have you. you on the show. Um, we uh, we'll, we'll do more plugs at the end for all the other uh, twenty billion things that I'm sure you're doing. I'm uh, too busy, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's good to, good to keep busy. Good to keep busy. I understand that much. Um, well, let, let's get to we right as you're entering. We started talking about our opening topic here, which was about Jerry McDivitt. Um, talking about how he is no longer uh, representing counsel for not only WWE because he is retiring, but also for this MLW antitrust lawsuit. Uh, he wrote in uh, WrestleNomics talked to him, Brandon Thurston for WrestleNomics talked to him. Uh, the, this new lawyer group, uh, I'm not going to say the names again, uh, they are replacing him. And he said uh, that he is, of course, heading out because he is looking towards retirement and sort of alludes to the idea that because this case seems to be obviously moving forward and this case seems to be encroaching into 2025 territory, he's like, I'm 74 or whatever I am. Uh, I've been, re- I've been do- lawyering for 36 years with this company and with Vince. Uh, it's about time for me to go. So uh, I think, it, one, it's interesting that, uh, that someone like Jerry McDivitt is retiring just because of his history with WWE, of course, with the steroid trials and every other <laughs> not uh, nasty thing that WWE has done that has kind of been thrown under the rug. But also I think that it is interesting timing that he is also heading out during the middle of this antitrust lawsuit. Uh, something that obviously the judge in the case seems to have some sort of legs. This case has some sort of legs. Uh, JD, we'll start with you since you're on the show. Um, what do you think about Jeremy Divitt retiring? And do you think this, uh says anything about this mlw antitrust case uh without him being involved anymore it's pretty interesting um i remember about a year ago news of this lawsuit started kind of kind of filtering down to us and um 
everybody poo-pooed it. Everyone's like, ah, oh, they don't got nothing. It's just Corp Bauer being Corp Bauer. And um, the stuff about Stephanie talking to Tubi, but I remember talking to Mike on our show with Mike, being like, man, that's that's really bad. If she really did that, they really have something. But then, like, Dave would poo-poo it, or everybody would be like, ah, you know, it's nothing. And then when the judge said, ah, you know, we're going we're gonna to let this thing go on, I, I remember thinking, man, this is uh, this is interesting. The fact what's interesting to me and i think says a lot is the fact that mcdivitt didn't just try to settle up immediately mm. right i don't know yeah. if that i don't know if because of the merger they're not interested in settling or if because of the merger they should be interested in settling up immediately but that's the most fascinating part of all of this and i get why mcdivitt because again it's going to probably be another it's probably 2025 i think they said is when the lawsuit would go through so he'd be 76 years old yeah. and he sounds more like a normal human being unlike vince mcmahon being like <laughs> i don't want to deal with this stuff at 76 mm-hmm. so i i kind of get him bailing out because he's just been man he has gotten them out of he, he's a phenomenal lawyer right there's so much bad stuff that's gone on with that company over the last 30 five years the history that... of wrestling alone would have rapidly been different <laughs> if he wasn't in oh my god absolutely yeah. he he he's one of the most important figures in the history of professional wrestling right i don't think i'm yeah. overstating that because there's so many things like, he literally got mystic man out of the stair i mean like granted when you look at the, the government's case wasn't strong but they thought it was strong Right. They thought yeah. that Vince was going down. Like Vince wasn't showing up when a Vince just didn't happen to get that neck surgery showing up with a neck brace <laughs> sort of just, you know, coincidentally. Like he and this has happened multiple times. So clearly Jerry McDivitt is excellent at what he does. And it's kind of a changing of the guard era. And I'm like, I don't know about this. I mean, like, I'm I don't pretend to be a lawyer. I don't pretend to know anything. But I mean, just in the way it's playing out, and again, the the 2B thing in particular really makes me wonder like man maybe they do have something there like maybe maybe this this is something and i'm i'm shocked that it's gone this far i'm shocked that they haven't settled up right because they they don't want it to go to discovery right that's not going to go good for wwe if they can really start like finding things out like i i I can't i mean whoever the new law firm is i know he named it but it's not you know it's not off the top of my head well it's in your it's five names (laughs) so don't don't (laughs) you're right it's it's some law firm um they should sell that up really quickly because i mean what's it going to cost to buy off court power in real and realistically speaking with what's at stake with this with this merger like we're we are really in interesting territory with that right now but that's what's always been fascinating to me is that I'm just as surprised as you are that there has because I think that's also why people have written off this case so much is that you know we you see MLW you see Court Bauer's name of course and we we kind of get the idea of what MLW yeah. is about at this point. <laughs> yeah. So so hearing that oh no we're 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 heading towards discovery we're he- you know maybe two years away at this point. But we're heading towards that way, and the judge thinks that there's something there. And obviously, I assume Court Bauer and MLW's t- lawyer team believe something is there. Um, but the fact that there hasn't been any, uh, you know, that it's moving forward to me is like one either for whatever reason Jeremy McDivitt's not doing that, which to me is weird because that's his playbook is to mm-hmm. not go to Discovery because we don't want to do that, and WB has the money to easily shut people up. Um, so then, my immediate my second thought is. Was money ever offered? Did MLW turn it down and want to say, no, we want to continue with this case? And if that's the case, yeah. that's, that in and of itself is very fascinating that that 
why <laughs> you would think how much money does MLW have? That's the question I have. Is how are they able to continue? How are they They're able still to open? Things? As I like to bring they, up from time to time. <laughs> hey, ne- hey, never say never. Uh, but uh, the, you know, it's it's how are they able to do all these things? And the fact that I think Jeremy Divitt's leaving and retiring. You know, I don't know who this law, new law former is. Going to the website, they you know their practices include antitrust, but it also includes like cryptocurrency and mergers and acquisitions and all this other stuff. So I don't know what their you know, history is and their cases and stuff, but they obviously have done things with antitrust lawsuits um, uh, and bankruptcies and all these other other, uh, financial issues. So I don't know how they are at this. Presumably they're good if WDB is trying to get them. Um, But having, losing a guy like Jeremy Divid who has changed wrestling in, in such a monumental way from behind the scenes, I think, that's another weird win potentially for MLW, like a weird, like that's kind of a good thing in their corner to have them lose their heaviest hitter. Scotty, yeah, what do you yeah. think? What do you think about this, Scotty? Yeah. I mean, I I'll play the, the advocate of the wrestling fan and just think like, Ooh, this is all over Tubi of all places. Like it, the, the joke is right. Tubi's free and Tubi. You know, I think that's where uh, Lucha Underground once upon a time ended up after uh, it was done airing. Um, But I understand why, you know, WWE does the things that they do, right? They want to be the one wrestling company on uh, Fox-owned, you know, services. That being said, it's insane to me because I was one of the people that were like, yeah, it's MLW. Who cares? Like, why, why am I going to sit here and act like they have any shot in hell? Right. It, it, because unfortunately for MLW, they've kind of ended up in like the impact mindset, I think, for a lot of us wrestling fans where we just like look at them. And I, I like impact a lot more than MLW. I will not watch MLW, for example. Um, but they do. They're in that same mindset where people just hear their names and they just like scoff and move on. Uh, but Jerry McDevitt not being there changes a lot of things, right? Cause like, like JD said, like you said, Ryan, I mean, that's, that's one of, that's one of, if, if Vince McMahon's the most important figure in WWE history, Jerry McDevitt's very high up there as you know, and he just never was on screen. He didn't have to be on screen to do it. Um, and I just think that's very interesting. And I, I, I sit here and I think, okay, there's definitely something there. And I I still think they settle in the end because this is WWE and that's what happens. But we've, we've gone this far. So why not take it all the way if you're MLW? Because it's expensive. That's what that's true. That's well, the one thing I can't figure yeah. out is like we watch, I, you know, I don't, I used to be, I used to really enjoy MLW around like the 2019 era. Like I kind of, it's like prime MLW. Yeah. That's they, swerve time. Yeah. Swerve time. Yeah. Tom Waller was there, you know, when MJF, like that's good. Those are decent. Yeah. Issues. They were extremely like, hot back then. They were. Um, I look at it now and like the production value is so bad. Like clearly there's not much of a budget going into these shows. Mm-hmm. So my immediate thought, I mean, like I, I'm pretty sure court finances the stuff on his own, but I cannot prove that. How much, how much do they have? Right. Right. Like you're going to go toe to toe with a multi-billion dollar. I mean, like I, I, I credit the balls. Right. I mean, that's yeah. like, the, you know, the, 
the little guy in me is like, yeah, man, go get him. But I mean, real, like, realistically, just write the guy a check. Yeah. <laughs> done with all this. Yeah. Like, God forbid they do find something. Because again, if it's, I, I think they probably think, hey, we had a contract with Fox saying we get to be the wrestling, you know, provider on here. We should be, you know, sure. um, is this this challenge this thing is this does this lawsuit challenge the idea of exclusivity in general should exclusivity be a thing like that is a question that no one that neither wwe nor aew wants answered and it's something mm-hmm. that the right? lawyer the, not the lawyer the judge obviously thinks is an important question to try to answer i think that's the crux of this is should exclusivity be a thing and is exclusivity in and of itself a monopoly because realistically you could go you could trace this down a lot of things you can say that anyone can play any arena you can't lock people like mm-hmm. that because that's one something right out of the wwe playbook right as well this is our arena yeah, yeah you yep. can't run they, this they're doing something actively with aew in that regard they are so it's like what's going to happen with all this if this does get to yeah. trial and if court wins what's left you know, because you hear so much about these these companies winning these lawsuits, but it costs them so much they go broke. Like, is this something that he's willing to see out to the end, or does he really just want a lawsuit to keep, or really just want a settlement? Excuse me, to keep his company afloat. I don't think I know the answer to that question right now. Yeah, yeah. It, when I, when I said you know, hear it out, it's almost like it feels like they have more money than we know. But then I, I then I think about it. It's like, okay, then why do you have the roster that you have? Why do you have the Why do you have the show that you have? Right. Well, it's in, like, in their defense, guys. I mean, as we just learned on MLW Never Say Never last night, which of course I watch because I'm a demented freak. Uh, kudos to you, sir. Yeah, thank you. That's what I've been waiting for. Uh, as we learned from last night, the Bumaye Fight Club is uh, financed entirely by Don King, so the money is obviously coming from some some high places. You know, this is what's weird about MLW is every time we laugh about them, they pull something like this up. You go, Don King yeah. in pro wrestling in 2023. How did that happen? The answer is Court's a rich kid who's got some who's got some connections, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So I mean, this is every a really time, rich kid. I think he might be a really really rich kid, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, like I said, like there's some things I'm like, where does this money come from? I mean, like they're not getting. I don't know what they get from BN other than a yeah, we will gladly show your show yeah because yeah. nothing anything else they've ever had has really worked or gotten them paid and like i know like actually when they go to towns they actually sell tickets right they do yep. they don't they don't play the empty houses so credit them on that but where is this coming from you know it's just <laughs> mm-hmm. it's interesting man it, it i don't know i don't think they want this to go to, i don't think wwe wants us to go to discovery i really no i i think i i think it'd be foolish of them and i think I would have to imagine that they've tried at least everything in the power. And who knows? Just, you know, a settlement can happen pretty much at any time. You know, it could right. it could happen, you know, before a verdict is said. Uh, you know, a settlement can happen. A settlement might happen between now and what? Middle of 2025, whenever the whenever the case is happening. Um, <laughs> but who knows? Like, yeah. And, and you're, to your point of like what happens if MLW, if the case went through and MLW wins, what does WWE look like? What does that look like as as they're also going into a merger with UFC? What is how does any of this look like? It 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 feels weird to say that this is becoming a monumental case, but it it's slowly but sh- slowly getting there, and uh, uh, and we'll see what comes out of it. 
here's where the nihilist in me kicks off is because I grew up in the nineties, right? I'm older than you guys. Like I remember, I remember going to the news, to the library to read newspapers about what was going on in the trial, the, the steroid trial. Mm-hmm. Cause like I hadn't quite mastered the internet at that point yet. So I didn't really understand how to, how to quite work those things out. But like, we thought that Vince McMahon might be done at that point, you know, so did they, so did WWE. They hired I thought Jerry Vince Jarrett. McMahon was done last year too. That's so what I'm, I mean, this, <laughs> that's what I'm saying is this guy has a tremendous knack for survival. Yeah. Right. And WWE, as far as looking bad, like it's, it's impossible for WWE to look bad because the vast majority of the grand world thinks of them as a joke to begin with but they're like rolling in money. Yep. Right. And like, they have like, they've survived so much. Like they've survived a pedophile ring for God's sakes. And then like stuff that would have stuff that would destroy a company today. The Benoit stuff, the Benoit stuff, the steroid trial, Mel Phillips. Like there's just Vince McMahon just brushes it <laughs> off and has for decades. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, <clears throat> I'm skeptical that this actually changes anything in pro wrestling but there's always that chance mm-hmm. you know there is always there is. that chance um well, let's move on to the next topic here which is uh, sort of an overview topic that we wanted to open the show with talking about aew collision they are officially a month out from their launch i don't know about officially but uh, it's been four weeks uh a month out from their launch uh four episodes down um, we have seen the sort of kind of scope of their roster. We have sort of seen how their television kind of works. We have seen how the audience has taken to it, or in some cases, not as much taken to it. Um, let, let's give sort of our overview thoughts of how we think the beginning of AEW Collision is going. And JD, I want to start with you. I think the best way to just sort of get a, a grand thought is if you had to assign a letter grade, you know, going to your to your, your teacherific roots, which I'm sure is a word. Um, if sure. you had to, if you had to go, hey, Shakespeare made up words. Uh, if you had to, all pick, the time, all, all the time. Uh, and I'm not saying why I'm. A, I'm you just call yourself Shakespeare. Uh, maybe, maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, if you had to give some sort of letter grade to how AEW Collision is handling itself so far, um, what would that letter grade be? A B. I give it a B so far i enjoy the show a lot i do i think it's a, i think it's a different i think that the show is a different flavor than dynamite right yeah. it feels a little different no one's I don't, there's not a lot of dives right on collision yeah. it just the work style is different um i think they i think they promoted it real well i don't think they did a great job giving you reason giving you like hooks to turn to tune in like yeah. leading into the show in the first couple of weeks. I think not ending that first episode with a big angle was a mistake, but I'm enjoying the show. Like I missed it last week. So it was my anniversary and Saturday night's a terrible night to watch live television, but I have takes on it that I'll go into later. So I'll give it a B. Scotty, what about you? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to copy the same grade. So I'll, I'll just go like, I'll give it a B plus, I guess. Just make, you know, change it up a little bit. Cause I think what we have to consider besides the Saturday night thing, and I think we've all considered that by now and we understand running on Saturday nights isn't ideal um, for a TV show per se, is that 
they started at maybe the weirdest time a company could start two weeks out from a pay-per-view right forbidden door was right around the corner so they almost had to start have a debut launch show that then featured you know stories that were going into that pay-per-view the week after and i think that has really led them to not tell the stories that they want to immediately like they've tried with some of the cm punk and ftr stuff right with bullet club gold but other than that you know you waited kind of on the andrade thing the andrade thing's now really kicking off the samoa joe aspect which you know rumors say was supposed to kick off that first show all we got was them in the ring for a cup of coffee and then they were out now we're kind of more getting that this week um it felt like to me this week's episode would have been the perfect debut episode almost right because this week's episode despite being in regina canada and there's a point there's a part of me that says can we just get out of canada for these collision shows no offense to canada but they're in like these little they're in such little areas that like i don't i don't think like wrestling is booming in regina right now um necessarily uh but there's part of me that thinks that if you were to really kick this off and 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 forbidden door wasn't in the way it would already be a better start but i enjoy the show a lot like i really like what collision has going on i thought this week's episode was their best everything on the show had meaning right you kick off the show with uh ricky and powerhouse hobbs and hobbs finally moves on from qtv a story that needed to happen like that's one of the big things and you know i had a friend uh text me isn't collision supposed to be the show that's like to give new wrestlers opportunities why is it you know just cm punk and you know signature women's match and ftr and i said well first of all cm punk is the main part of the show so he is supposed to be in every big match so take that back uh but second it is right ricky starks and powerhouse ops those are your two two of your main stars you're pushing on this show and i watched that match and you felt an energy, I think, for the, those two that maybe, well, Ricky Starks has had a good following, but Powerhouse Hobbs was really over. And by the time that QTV angle was over, I said to myself, okay, we've gotten something done in this story. Now we can move forward with the Powerhouse Hobbs aspect of this. It doesn't feel like he's running in quicksand anymore. Uh, you, you know, you built the Athena and Willow match. You had that, you know, fantastic tag team match that's old school right that i think everyone was like saying old school almost 80s type stuff that ftr does so well with jay white and juice robinson that i thought was excellent and then you know you're in the end you're building to punk and joe part one in a lot of i know it's part five but in a lot of or part four is it four i think it's four was it are they can are they building it as samoa joe and punk four even though there's more matches yes uh, i think it's technically five but they are billing it as four. Correct. Um, but in AEW, it's really part one. And I, you know, JD knows this. Um, and I think that's the excitement of collision as a whole. Is that now we're getting to the good stuff. And it's why I think I only go B plus because you know, the first week it was a good show, but it didn't feel like a premiere. 
right? It didn't feel like a premiere. And now they've put Forbidden Door behind them. They've put certain stories that they were just trying to kill off behind them. And now it's starting to feel like the collision show that they wanted it to be. And I I really felt that this week, especially. I feel like I, I agree with you as well, Scotty, is that they that it took a while to get there. But I think that was also part of the idea is this slow sort of build of getting to this point. You know, I didn't think last week's show was too great. I thought last night's show was really good. Um, But it feels like we are slowly building momentum show-wise, week to week, at least with story. Rating-wise is a different story, but obviously, you know, we kind of have to throw out the episode one. We'll see how this episode does. I think this episode was probably a bigger uh, show to tune into, and next week is obviously a three-hour extravaganza. Um, But I think we... It is interesting. And it's also interesting to say that, like, they have a small roster, it feels like. You know, the roster feels incredibly small here. And we're slowly debuting quote-unquote new people you know last night we re-debuted scorpio sky um it feels very slow um i think my concerns with the show are you know if i had to give a rating uh it would be like a b b minus or something so we'll just average out to a b for all of us if because i have concerns i said i had my concerns from the beginning of the show is that i didn't agree with the whole obviously how it all went down the uh cm punk seemingly decision to be a surprise again with the whole warner brother discovery thing i thought you know uh especially after the fact it was like the cat's already in the bag just announce them you should have just announced them there and that way we can build excitement towards the show uh and then when we get to the show it does a very good number obviously not as good of a, of a dynamite number uh, but a very very good number uh, nonetheless, since the, but we also knew that that was episode one and it's going to drop off significantly. And now they're sitting at sort of a rampage number, um, which isn't good. Um, but, but it's on Saturdays. But it's but of course, yeah, it's on Saturdays. Uh, it has way more competition next week, as we'll sort of talk about, has a lot of competition just in wrestling alone. Um, so they're in an interesting spot. And I think Tony Khan knew that. I think Tony Khan, I didn't get the, I've never gotten the impression that Tony Khan necessarily wanted to do this show he's always said like oh yeah it was you know david zasloff's idea to do this show and you know yeah we're you know help happy to help our people um i've never got fully the impression that this was a show he necessarily wanted to do um but i think i don't think saturday nights excited him remember because he never wanted to be booked against ufc that was a big thing early on like he would say i don't want to go against dane i don't want to get into ufc and he also knows how college to the ufc pay-per-view he also knows how much college football is watched too and he knows that's gonna come down the line too um but i think they are slowly building that storylines that you would hope uh bring out more of those fans hope to bring in their audience i think they also not only entered a tough time in terms of forbidden door stuff happening um weird time but i think they also entered a tough time where i don't want to make this an elite thing but it it is a thing where they entered at a time and cm punk's re-entering at a time where the hottest angle in the show and in in AEW right now is the elite versus bcc uh, okay, and then ruin that. Don't worry. No, no, no. I'm, I, what I'm trying to say is that that is the hottest angle and having yeah. a show be separate 
that has none of the hottest stuff in the company on it is something is sort of a concern. Obviously, there are reasons why that's not happening. Um, but I think it's interesting that we now have to create momentum and create uh, uh, new yeah. stories that become hot. We can't, you know, because of reasons, can't use the hot yeah. stories. We have to make our own stories. That's completely fair. And I that's think that's why I look at it as a new show. And exactly right. I'll but but, I, but my, I think that's my point is that my concerns with like in terms of like the ratings and the audience and stuff. The audience is tuning in for the elite and BCC. The audience might not want to turn into something new with collision. And I think that might, uh, that could contribute to the lesser ratings. I'm not saying that everyone's an anti CM Punk guy. I'm just saying that it's something different. It's not quite hot yet. We just want to wait and see. And I think that's a possibility that the audience could be approaching. I think that there's something that we don't, I think that there are a lot of people saying that I listen to this in our Viking discord all the time. People are like, you know, ratings are going to be really bad on a Saturday. You know, shit. Like, yeah. they're, not good. <laughs> they're not good anywhere. Like, they're not going to be yeah. good, period. And I think that was something we don't talk about at all. And the problem with, the problem with this is, like, WWE is doing such a great job now with, with attracting new viewers, right? They're yeah. literally the only thing in television that's growing. Everything else is Wild. contracting. AW1, Wednesday night, one, Wednesday night, yeah. with 850,000 viewers. Right, we've reached a point where less than half the homes in America have cable television. Showbuzz Daily no longer is no longer in business because they don't trust the numbers they're getting from Nielsen. Right, I'll, this, I'll add that the uh, owner, the uh, CEO, I think David Zaslav of Warner Media, actively doesn't like the Nielsen ratings. He's not alone. Yeah, right, and I, he's not alone. Fox, NBC, and ABC have all abandoned Nielsen. So we still report the Nielsen because it's the only, it's the only tangible thing we have. And in reality, you guys watch regular TV too, right? How often yeah. do you watch something when it's on regular TV? How often do you consume a show that you enjoy, but you don't love immediately when it premieres? Zero percent. Almost never. <laughs> so why don't, so why do we as, why does we yeah. as wrestling fans expect people to consume wrestling in a different way and we go well it's not the not the cop i mean like in reality if you're not nuts if you're not up doing a podcast at nine in the morning like because <laughs> you love this stuff yeah. like in reality you have a passive relationship with it sure. right and like I, i'm trying to find it out i can't see if i dave had a thing with the the plus threes for collision mm. and when you add when you factor in plus three with with collision and dynamite the numbers come up pretty similar mm-hmm. right dynamite's ahead dynamite gets more of its viewers immediately but the numbers really aren't that far off and you go well networks don't care about plus three and plus seven if they didn't care about plus three and plus seven those terms wouldn't exist sure so plus three and but it's not sexy it's not cool for us talking about we want to live the 90s again where everything was about the overnights in reality in reality nothing other than the nfl and the nba draw big consistent numbers and now wwe they're bucking trends mm-hmm. yeah. i and, and i like i will say i say this on my podcast all the time and i'll go to my grave saying the major part of wwe's resurgence has been their peacock deal yeah the yeah. fact that all of their major shows are available to all peacock subscribers and a lot of people have peacock like it, you cannot there's a direct thorough line to when they start picking up again and again, you don't have to watch the PLEs. You don't have to watch the show. 
to watch the PLEs. They may, they do that on purpose, but a lot of people are into it, so they do watch it now, right? Mm-hmm, and yeah. I think that that is what is really helping that company. So I think that when we talk about ratings in pro wrestling, and again, people are like you, you don't think David Zaslav was fully aware that that ratings on a Saturday night were going to be bad. You don't think he's looking at his own numbers? And right. I was like, that's why AEW is there. It's not there to win. It's there to lessen the bleeding. Mm. It's there to get people something to look at. They know they're not going to beat when Alabama's got a game on Saturday nights come <laughs> October. Mm-hmm. They don't think they're going to compete with that. Yeah. But they're going to give you something, right? Mm. And then they're going to they're going to have a lot of people watching the show on the app later and on the DVRs. Like that's why right. that's why it's there. Like yeah. I know we want we want wrestling to win because we're wrestling fans, but the reality is they're in a not they're not in a situation to win. And I think that the I'm pretty sure the network is aware. Now, the last week's episode, like I said, I didn't get to watch last week's episode. It was my anniversary, and reality, it was July Fourth weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and it was taped. Be, it I was, think that matters. I know people say it doesn't matter. Taped matters to me. I, I know what already happened. And who did CM Punk wrestle on that show? No one. And who's your top draw? I mean, like I'm saying, like yeah, exactly. They, no, they, now this is the problem I think Tony does. If Tony doesn't think he's going to win or do a great night or it's going to be great. He'll wave the flag sometimes. Yeah, and I think that's a mistake. And he, but Completely like we have agree. four years of dynamite to show. Eh, there's sometimes they just go, oh, this isn't going to be a great episode for us. We're not going to really try very hard. But I think Scott's right. I think this Canada tour was a mistake to launch the show. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think they thought they were going to draw really good in Canada. And I don't think they understood the market well enough. Cause again, mm-hmm. we have friends in Canada. They talk about, Oh yeah, no one goes to indoor stuff in the summertime because it's cold there all the time. Mm-hmm. So people want to do something outdoors when they can and not be indoors. So, I mean, like you hear, they go, Oh, that makes total sense. And plus it's coming to a new market and they're doing a lot of shows. And they, kudos to them for trying something. I don't think it worked out, but, but you're here now and you've got to make it work. And like I said, I give them, I give them a B, but this is the reality of where you're at. You got to make it work somehow. And to continue your thought, which is, I think a a great counter argument as well, is that, you know, you talk about like their own metrics with Warner brothers discovery or their own metrics of David Zaslav, a guy who actively, you know, you know, kind of coming out of the pandemic, actively scrutinize against the Nielsen ratings and saying that, you know, because the DVR ratings and all the stuff and happening after the fact and, and all the stuff, how much money are we losing out? That was a quote from David Zaslav is because of all, you know, if we're basing off of Nielsen ratings, how much money are we losing from DVR? Um, and, you know, sort of think about that being in the position that he's in now. What are the ratings uh, inside Warner Brothers Discovery? Are they going off of Nielsen ratings? I would presume yeah. not. Do they are they doing their own sort of rating systems and being able to sell ads that way? Uh, I don't know the, in the particulars behind that deal or if, if that is even true, but I, I think it's fair to assume that they have their own set of analytics that they look at. You know, there, mm-hmm. was that, there was that report at one point in time where it was some executive, some female executive in Warner Brothers Discovery talking about how success, I think it was around the time when uh, Slap Fight or whatever the show was called had its sort of issues. Yeah, yeah. Had its power issues. Slap. Power slap. Thank you. <laughs> had its issues where it kind of fell apart and kind of fell apart for other reasons. Uh, and it just kind of went out of the way. Uh, and I believe the executive talked about how, and they gave like this number for AEW and said it had like 4 million viewers or something every week. And it was like some insane number that everyone was like, what the hell is this lady talking about? But she has that data from somewhere. Right. She's not pulling yeah. that number out of her ass. She's an executive. She has access to the data. 
to some numbers that they're reading from Warner Bros. Discovery. You're right in saying that I think Saturday is a more of a defensive move to other competition than anything else. But it's also, you know, they're looking at different numbers than everybody else, I think. I think it's fair to assume that they are not necessarily... They might be beholden to Nielsen, but they I don't think they're using Nielsen as the end-all, be-all. They're looking at something else entirely. If, if they didn't like what AEW is doing, they wouldn't keep giving them more. They wouldn't believe them in the Saturday slot, right? And I and I think when it comes to ratings, too, people have to remember, right? JD highlighted this. DVR, the TNT TBS app. Which uh, sucks, by the way, if you ever have to use it. The TNT <laughs> I have TBS used apps it. are garbage. Too. I have used it. And I think people also forget Fight. I know it's not here in the U.S., but come on, people. Like, it's very easy to get the Fight app and you know, pay five bucks for AW a month because you want to see the full matches, right? There's no such thing as picture in picture on the fight TV app. I've seen the versions of it. It's a wonderful thing if you don't like commercials, but I think that's a reality too, that a lot of people probably use that. Like I've seen, I've seen that conversation happen. So I just wanted to add that in before when, you know, GE go ahead. I mean, it just, this is the kind of the reality that we live in now. And like, it's not just David Zasloff, who I don't think is the world's greatest CEO. I'll just get that out of the way right now. I don't, I think he's made a lot of, he canceled the show. I was, he canceled the show I was working on. So I don't like this guy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I get it. Like, I I think (laughs) since the merger, like just look at the stock, like it's not gone great, but I mean, he's not alone in his criticism. Nielsen and ABC, uh, NBC touted this new service they were going to use to track. Cause again, Ratings only matter to sell to advertisers. Yeah, and I want and when you look at a at AEW's advertisers, they're not bad. Like they have yeah. deals with like AT and T. Like they give major companies that are backing them. So it's not for uh, for wrestling fans. They just look for the the tribalistic takes on it. That wow, we're doing better than you. Ah, this is this, you know fed dead stuff like that like i read these dumb things on twitter and, and i just i'm an old man now so i want to throw my phone at the wall when i see these things i'm with you but in reality if the companies are happy that's kind of where we're at right yeah. and clearly they didn't like the number i think they're gonna have a nice nicer number this week there's not a lot Agreed. going on Agreed. right and there was a cm punk Samoa joe match that they did hype pretty well could have been could have hyped it better you guys do better but i thought it was pretty good hype so i think the number will be up this week but is it going to be a dynamite number no because it's saturday night and people have lives right and you are going up against ufc but i don't know what i don't know what the tremendous crossover between ufc and aew fans is but it might be enough that you get to lose a hundred thousand a hundred thousand phantom viewers that 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 nielsen because that's the only numbers we get comes up with and then you know, I joke about this because Mike and Mike and I have like we did an impact pod for so many years. Like when the numbers are here's a problem too. When the numbers are so small, the num like the fluctuations in individual viewers matter. So we would joke with our friend Wade because he was a, a a Nielsen guy that when he didn't watch Impact, Impact would lose like twenty thousand views, thirty thousand views. So, I mean. I just I think that we've reached a point where the Nielsen stuff just doesn't isn't as valid anymore. And when there's such a great when there's such a great chasm in what entertainment is today, this isn't like 1975 when there's three networks yeah. and no home entertainment. Right. Those 40,000 homes in 1975 were far more of an accurate sample size than they are in 2023. Like it's just it's a different world, and the fact that and I I don't I don't disagree with these executives. I know Garrett and I debated this. He's like they don't like it because they don't like their numbers going down. And I said I get it, Garrett, but they're all saying it. 
and they are yeah. all going down. Right. So, I mean, like yeah. there's, there's something here. I mean, the system, it's an antiquated system, Yeah. you know, and it's, I, I don't know what a better one is, but this is just where we're at with this. And I think we're going to like collision has, I think really collision has to be the better show because it's set up to in a tougher spot. Yeah. And I think that's just going to be the discourse is like, is collision worth it? And until David Zasloff cancels it, it's not, I'm getting invaded. Here. I saw that. Right. <laughs> well, I think that's a great point. And I, I also think I agree with you, Scotty, is that, you know, if we're, if we're talking about AEW collision being set up as a defensive move, what, who should we put in that position? They put AEW in that position. I think that speaks very highly, not only to giving them an extra two hours, but I think it speaks very highly of AEW for Warner Brothers. Warner Brother, yeah. Warner, you know, Warner Media Discovery. Uh, so I think it speaks very highly for them. Talking about that, uh, JD, about it being a better show, and it sort of has to be a better show. I also think you kind of also alluded to something that I think is true, that I think Collision needs a better thing in uh, excitement and hype building. Uh, I yeah, think they sort of lack that. lack in that field. I talked about that when I said they should have announced Punk day one and and at the Warner Brothers Discovery thing and just did that. I think that would have been a great idea and would have helped them out a lot um, instead of two weeks of weirdness or whatever that was happening with those special announcements of Tony Khan. <laughs> that was weird. Uh, um, but what do we think about the actual show proper? You know, I talked about the smaller audience. We talked about the, the show being built around CM Punk but ultimately to try to potentially build up new stars in wrestling and build these things. We talked about that the show has to be strong. So it is a good defensive structure. How do we think the show is doing storytelling wise? And do you think it, do we think it is achieving those marks that were, we want it to hit? Anyone can take this one. I think it's, I think it's doing all right so far. Um, It's like AEW tends to, it's so funny because they're like people are like oh WWE just has they just tell these stories and I'm like they've had one good angle in a decade like let's not go crazy here like let realistically now they're cinema like, they, I'm told actually don't please don't get me started on that um <laughs> I think Michael Cole should win an Emmy I'm just saying I think Michael Cole should win an Emmy uh, for uh, for for being able to stand it as he said they test. should win an Emmy. He did. Anyway, believe it. Anyway, sorry. They believe, and they believe it too. Is the yeah. funny thing. That's not just hype. They truly, truly believe it. Like there's the self-importance over there is just unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, um, the show. I think it's it's trying to find its identity, right? And that's the thing is mm-hmm. like it can't be dynamite again because we have dynamite, and yeah. it's. I like the fact that it's gone out of their way, not because dynamite can be like this almost nitro like where things are crazy and things are up and down and things moving a million miles out. <laughs> and like they've gone on, they've gone a completely different route with dynamite. You've got Kevin Kelly. Who's got a way more laid back style. Him and Nigel have, have good rapport going back to the ring of honor. Let's be honest. This show is ring of honor. Yeah. Right. This is the ring yeah. of honor show that Tony Khan wanted to do. They just have to call it collision. Yeah. Um, And it feels different. I have liked it, but it definitely moves slower. Last week's episode, I'll be honest with you, I was playing my phone the whole time. It was kind of boring. Yeah. This week was really good. I think from here on out, we're really kind of getting into the notch of what dynamo of what, excuse me, what collision is. And um I think they're still trying to figure it out, but I, I like it, you know. Yeah. I, I think they need to do a better job promoting. No, I say promoting, mm. not just tell me like, you know, what's on the show next week, but I'd like to see 
some more things carry over. Cause again, we don't have the hard roster splits like we thought was going to happen. Yeah. I'd like to see a little more connective tissue between the shows. We're starting that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more of it. You know, I don't yeah, think it's sure. bad, but I think it could be tweaked. could be better. You know, yeah. I, I'd say it's a work in progress. And I think it'd be very interesting to see how that looks like post Owen Hart tournament. I think that, yeah, that sort of eating up a lot of this, the story basis stuff happening right now. Yeah. Scotty, what do you think? How do you think AW collision is doing on the story front? Well, it's the first show in a very long time to present Samoa Joe as a killer. So I think by all accounts, I should just applaud them for that because it's been way too long since we've been doing that. Also, I was devastated to learn he's only a three. I don't know how I didn't know this. He's only a three-time world champion. So TNA, you will pay for your sins. Um, just want you to know that. Uh, yeah, they have. They, they sure have. The, the name doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good start. But I think the show, based off last night, they did pretty much everything I've been looking for, right? They had, like, the pre-match hype video to kick off the show, you know, showing the history of Joe and Punk. Like, that's stuff you should always be doing in your company anyways. You own Ring of Honor. You should use all that footage for anything that involves Danielson, Punk, Joe, Briscoe's list goes on and on young bucks you know they have the entire old roster you should be using that and that hype video and then punk just walking out there to do a promo that set the tone for the rest of the night that's how you're different from dynamite dynamite dynamite's the work rate show right that that's what people call it i think at this point it's the work rate like you say kind of like nitro everything's happening all the time you don't know what's going to happen. And that's kind of the Blackpool Combat Club uh, flavor almost. Like that's their entire gimmick is like, we are going to do whatever we want at any time. And it works. Collision doesn't need to be that, nor should they. But I do like the idea that CM Punk can go out there at any moment and go cut a promo. That means you want to be on your toes. That means you want to be watching the show because you don't know what he's going to say. And he cut a really good promo yesterday, had nothing to do with the elite, nothing to do with the young bucks. I know. I'm sorry. Internet didn't. He, he talked about the angle. Cause guess what? We've moved on for the time being with, you know, something will come up. I'm sure within the next few weeks and something technically came up this week with the uh, blood and guts thing, but he's moved on in, in kayfabe, right? He is. And kayfabe doesn't exist anymore, but in, in terms of this show, He's moved on. He's talking about Joe. He's also talking about Jay White. He's building all these things. And this show needs to run through CM Punk because this show doesn't have a lot of stars yet, right? We're we're making Andrade a star now. We're reestablishing him as a babyface star. House of Black, I mean, they were up and down for the longest time before getting the trios belts. Like everyone was like, ah, what is this? Like, is this just, is this just Bray Wyatt 2.0? Now they've found their footing, but you know, Malachi Black's not on the TV. So they're trying to tell that story. Uh, Scorpio sky was gone for a year. They're trying to re put him out there. Uh, You know, the women's match getting taken away last night stinks because Athena and Willow, you know, they're, they were going to go out there and make the show even better. I think that's something we're not talking about. And this was easily the best collision. So, and I I think you guys were both right with the tournament stuff, taking up a lot of their current booking, but it's now playing into their stories as it should. And ultimately I think the show is good. It can be great. Does that make sense? Like there are, there are levels here that can be great. I kind of saw it last night with just, you know, the main core 
telling their stories and pushing those forward. And I hope that's where we go because I'll bring up last week. Last week was the weakest of them. Uh, that also had MJF on it. Is that a correlate? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's his fault. Maybe we can just blame MJF. I like blaming MJF. Um, that being said, like it was taped. It was Fourth of July weekend, right? Like, like JD said, it was Tony Khan taking the L in a lot of ways. CM Punk didn't wrestle. CM Punk wasn't announced up until the day after Dynamite because they're like. We should probably just put him on the show, right? You know, put him yeah, on put commentary. Yeah. yeah. And like, no offense to anyone. No one's just going to jump into the show to hear CM Punk do commentary. Because CM Punk likes to do commentary as someone doing commentary. He's not going to be like cutting promos the whole time on Samoa Joe. Um, so I think we're working our way there. I really do enjoy what they're going for. And I think as time goes on and you introduce more people, it'll get better and better and better. I think they're starting to bring ring of honor people into it now with Athena, like Athena made it very clear to me last night. Like this was going to be my collision debut on this great show. And it's like, okay, she's definitely destined for this show, Mm -hmm. which is good. That's what you should be doing. Bring in the kingdom. I think the kingdom and ring of honor only is stupid. Like, I think they're fantastic and they should not just be there. Like, keep bringing in these new people that are just on Ring of Honor because they're there in the building. Yeah, exactly. They're there. You might as well utilize them. And it's also it's also a good hook to get people to buy Honor Club, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't know yep. why you would buy Honor Club, but to, to be quite frank. Like, there's not... Buy AW Dark? Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's all it is. Like, I did it yeah. for a month and I'm like, this is not worth my 10 bucks. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I think the more you can utilize those those players those ring of honor like i said this is basically tony khan's ring of honor yeah this is what this is what it would have been so i think you got to utilize that like i think you gotta you gotta steer in a little bit there's there's plenty of people there just uh you know like i said you said they're a small roster and it does feel like that because they haven't utilized a lot of people there's a lot more people in that building man just mm-hmm. keep yeah just keep wing just keep pulling them out but i like that they're, they're they're not they're not rushing anything right it's really slow burning you know they're trying to establish who the guys on the show are yes and then you can start filtering more people in like yeah. so far if, like did you hear that crowd last night with jay rot with with uh with switchblade and and juice robinson mm-hmm. those dudes were like lost a month and a half ago yep and they were getting tremendous reactions like jay white is a guy now in aew yep. just listen to the crowd like they're, down, they're telling it to you so it's starting to work it's not going to be what we want it to be, but I'm, I got news for you guys. SmackDown was on TV for 20 years before anybody gave a shit about it. Yeah, and I still think SmackDown's kind of. Well, people care about it. Yeah, it's the greatest, yeah, it show, it's the greatest show on television. I'm told it every every Saturday morning. Send my <laughs> baby. Um, I think that I think it's a great point, and I think what we're all sort of kind of talking about uh, is the idea that they are centralizing the stories because what they are doing is building a foundation of yeah. the show that a foundation where they can build new stars, build up new people, slowly bring in new people and see how they interact and make a kind of a small ecosystem of, of wrestlers to, to grow from there. You know, we talk about building stars. There is a solid chance that Ricky Starks, I think is winning next week. I think it's a, 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 a maybe say a 40% chance that Ricky Starks is winning. I'm going to give the edge to CM Punk cause it's CM Punk, but you know, you're talking about building up new stars getting a win over that guy would be huge. Now there's also, you know, there's, there's other things there, but that's the whole idea here is we are trying to showcase and create the foundation of what AEW collision is so that we can go off and make new stars and do all this other stuff. So that down the line, let's say a year from now, 
AW Collision could be this very fruitful show that is great long-telling stories, uh, you know, great new stars that we haven't seen in forever that are being properly utilized, ideally. Uh, and ideally, a great show that's growing their audience. And that's what you sort of want Collision to be. I think if you're talking about a defensive move, long-term would be that you want this to uh, eventually be a top show, eventually be a show that is yeah. ri- rivaling Dynamite in the ratings, right? That's, if you know, to go back to that talk, it's it's something that, that's the, lo- it's long-term storytelling with the show itself. I think that's what they're trying to do yeah. here. And I think there's something really bad out there for some AEW fans. I will not call them elite stands, but some of them are. They're like, freakazoids. We some know this. Freakazoids. some of them think like dunking on other companies is by also dunking on Collision. I'm like, do you know this is booked by the same guy you're defending? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, do you forget that Tony Khan is booking? You know, he owns both of these shows. Like, that's something that I see, and I think a lot of people don't want to like Collision because yeah, they don't like CM Punk. I think there's... Oh, sorry, Scott, go ahead. And I just think, like, that's also part of the problem in looking at it. Like, I don't know how you don't watch Collision and enjoy it. I really don't, because I just think it's a good wrestling show that, you know, it's it's a little old school in a good way, and that's probably why I like it, but good. No, I was going to say, there's a like you, you pointed out that there's a lot of people, the AEW fans, and it's not a lot, it's a very vocal minority, who yes. want this show to fail because they think that's going to send a message to to Tony Khan about CM Punk, when in reality, he's the only guy in that show that matters at all, right? As far as, like, the grand scheme of pro wrestling goes. They're trying yeah. to build everyone else up, but Punk didn't wrestle in the last show, and look what happened, right? Yeah. Like, the brawl out thing was such a weird litmus test for people. Like, <laughs> adults can have disagreements, sometimes physical disagreements, right? And I'll, I've said this on my show's, as fans, you don't know these people, right? Mm-hmm. You don't you don't live with them. You don't you're not in their thoughts. You don't know what their values are. You know what is presented on the internet, and you let yeah. that form your opinion on human beings, right? So, well, you just because you got a guy's autograph at a show doesn't mean you're boys, yeah. right? Just because you watch Being the Elite every week doesn't mean that like you know you have to go and burn buildings down to protect Nick and Matt Jackson. Like <laughs> these are human beings and like people have bad days and people are allowed to not like each other. And people allowed to disagree. Yeah. Right. I mean, like when an adult looks at these situations, they see, Hey man, that's really bad. That's a really toxic environment for everybody. And things need to be worked out. Right. That's how, a, that's how an adult sees that situation. But I mean, these like nerd fans who treat this like high school when they want to, they want it to be all clicky and, it just it astounds me that grown-ups can act like this like if this is a 12 year old i'd be like all right i get it you're immature but when these are people in their 30s that feel the need to be like i don't like cm punk because he said this and well i don't like the elite because they might grow up man grow up. <laughs> these are adults who actually don't give a shit about you one way or the other so why you put all this time and effort in defending people you don't know is beyond me but i think that if you want AEW, if you care about the company, like if you're an AEW yeah. fan, you want it to succeed, you want to make sure that it works, right? Or else it goes away. And again, I say this as a fan who watched his favorite promotion go away. Like I was a WCW guy growing up. Sting was my dude, right? And 
I remember March of 2020, uh, 2001, I'm thinking, man, WWF's going to take them over. It's going to be better now. With Everything's going to work out. You know, they're going to be okay. And six months later, I'm like, oh, I was stupid. Right? And that was a hard lesson to learn at 20. Yeah. Right? That, like, really understanding business. Because I was just a kid. I didn't understand that. And I said, I, this is the best shot you have of getting a quote-unquote alternative. Do you really want that? Or do you want to just play games? Right, you yeah. cannot like a guy. You cannot like the show. That's perfectly fine. Just don't be a nerd about it. Absolutely, I I hundred percent agree with you. Um, and I think, and I think that's just like the conversations now that happen more than anything. It's it's almost like AEW fans have given up on the AEW versus WWE thing because really, it's stu- that was stupid to begin with. To begin with yeah. And it's now Dynamite versus Collision. And even then, it's like, do you hear yourselves? Like, it's the same company. Like, imagine if people fought over SmackDown versus Raw. Ever. That's what they wanted. That's yeah. what WWE wanted uh, true. for years. That's and they true. tried to like go, oh, he's a SmackDown fan, and they have the red and blue shirt. <laughs> yeah, what do you they think Survivor look- Series is about nowadays? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, brand supremacy. Like Vince McMahon has to look out. So they did it. I tried this for twenty years. They actually succeeded. All I needed was some people that hated each other on opposite <laughs> rosters. Like it's it's wild to me that which this is, is where we are. Yeah. Which is funny because I also say Vince McMahon would probably be the only person that would book CM Punk and Young Bucks on the same show and say get over it and move on. He would. Yeah, hundred percent would. And that to to the man has a lot of problems, but he was he does have things that he's really good at, and forcing people to shut up and work together is one of them. Right, because yeah. we just don't. The problems exist in WWE. They just don't. They don't get the. They don't get the magnet. They don't get the attention that these ones do because I don't think Tony Khan has quite figured out personnel management yet when it comes to these things. And sure. that's something that comes with time. Because game be like, well, Vince would never allow this, dude. Jacques Rougeau knocked out the Dynamite Kid's teeth with a handful of quarters. Mm-hmm. That happened backstage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bret Hart ripped Shawn Michaels' hair out. Mm-hmm. Right, and like. There, you have these wrestling is different. People want to treat wrestling like it's going to work in an office, and it ain't right. It's a different, it's a different mindset. It's a different world. So the quicker we understand that, the better we are. And it takes time to really figure out how to manage these things, yeah. right? Vince McMahon didn't have that figured out right away. You so, described things from thirty years ago. Tony Khan's been doing this for four. You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Vince McMahon has the the advantage of one growing up in the business with having his old man, right? Two. He was there for a long time and he didn't squash every beef, right? Harley race walked into the locker room with a gun and aimed it at Hulk Hogan <laughs> while he was taking a shit. I believe is the story. Like <laughs> these are things that, I mean, like yeah. it's back in the day. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs. So your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 
and now we're now we're mad about a a fist fight that happened. You yeah. know, those things happen. It does. So people got to get over it, man. Wrestling is ugly at the end of the day. You know, wrestling is stupid, and the sooner we <laughs> that, the better off we all are. I love it, but God, is it dumb? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Well, let's. What a great note to end that conversation. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's move on to the to the next topic here, which is uh, New Japan Strong Independence Day. They had two shows out of Japan to celebrate America's independence. Uh, New Japan Strong. Why? Why not? Uh, I won't. Do, we won't do match by match, of course. But uh, on for night one, night two, of course, night one, you had the main event being El Desperado and Jun Kasai defeating Homicide and John Moxley. You also had two title changes with the strong openweight tag team titles with the Bullet Club War Dogs, Coglin and Kid winning the titles of Bishamon, and the junior section of that, Drilla Maloney and Clark Connors winning the titles off of Akira and TJP. Drilla Maloney. And on night two, you had, of course, in the main event, John Moxley defeat El Desperado in a final death match, Eddie Kingston winning the New Japan Strong Openweight title off of Kenta, and Julia defeating Willow Nightingale to win the New Japan Strong Women's title. So a lot of title changes coming out of the shows. What did you guys, starting with JD, what did you think of these two New Japan Strong Independence Day shows? Oh, New Japan Collision? It's great. It's awesome. It's working perfectly. <laughs> like, no, but seriously, though, like, yeah. New Japan has done a really interesting, because, like, when the Strong brand started here during the pandemic, it just kind of was just there. a studio show. It was just kind of there. It was really weird. I'm, but the American Wrestling was good. Now they've actually taken this strong product, brought it to Cork, and they're the heart of Japanese professional wrestling, and presented a different New Japan product. It's a completely different show. Jun Kasai stabbed John Moxley with the skewers. <laughs> First of all, Jun Kasai is in New Japan. Yeah. Like, that in and of itself is mind-blowing. I yeah. never thought that would happen. Ever. Like, that video, Del Desperado, he's looking for a partner. I'm like, holy shit, that's Jun Kasai. <laughs> like that's wild to me that this is happening and you have eddie kingston as the champion like there's the model for what you want collision to be is it's new japan strong because you have the two comp it's not it's not two companies but the two brands i hate using that term it's so cheesy but they have completely different uh, like they have a completely different vibe right yeah. and it's not just the fact that one's primarily in the u.s and one is primarily in japan like it, it helps the shows just feel different it it does help yeah. but i mean like there's a difference in philosophy with how the mm-hmm. product is presented right and i think i think it's super interesting right now because they're doing stuff that you would not man can you antonio Inoki's company right this part of strong style did skewers in a match yeah. it's just it's it's mind-boggling to me and eddie kingston is the champion like people are always like eddie kingston should be the world champion he should be the we deserves it i i hate the you deserve it mentality of things because i believe that pro wrestling should like the champ should be the guy that draws i'm old school like that but this is really good. <laughs> like it's really story, <laughs> and it yeah. it he it does put enough heat on Eddie going into the G one where he's definitely more of a threat now, mm-hmm. right? He's definitely he has something right, and this is exactly what titles are. They're props, right? And now you just legitimized Eddie Kingston to some Japanese fans who might not be terribly familiar with him, you know. So I'm a big fan. I think this is great. Scotty, what did you think of uh, Strong Independence? Oh, I thought they were two great shows like if you walked away from these saying these were the best new japan strong shows yet i would i'd probably agree with you because i just think like the atmosphere of corkins obviously just phenomenal but you felt every person on the card 
living up to the spot in Cork and like they all cared so much. And I think, I think as, as, as fans of wrestling, as fans of Japanese wrestling, you can watch a Cork and show and like say a new Japan one compared to a, you know, pro wrestling Noah one, for example, right? Noah's going to usually load up the card a little bit more because they're a smaller company, new Japan, you know, they, they'll just run a house show there and, you know, they'll pack the building and it'll just be like, all right, I can miss that show. You almost forget, like, sometimes when New Japan does run a big cork and how special it can be. And Jun Kasai, this guy should be booked everywhere, right? He's a legitimate wrestling legend. And you felt that when his entrance happened. Like, oh he was God. the biggest star on a New Japan pro wrestling show. Like when JD brought that up, it was like perfect. It's like June Kasai was the biggest star on a new Japan show. That is insane to think about. And I I love his, you know, roadies that come with him that are just absolutely freaking out in the stands. Like that was fantastic. And it set the tone for the second day. I don't usually even like like I'll I'll be I'll be honest. I'm not a big deathmatch guy. If you listen yeah. to this show, you know that. But the way they utilize the deathmatch on day one and day two, I'm with it. Like that's how you do it, especially day two, because I thought they really told a great story between Moxley and Desperado. And I love Desperado. Um, and obviously Moxley. I don't need I think we all pump up Moxley enough that no one needs to say that all the time. But every match had a level of excitement. Even if you were watching New Japan for the first time and you had no idea who Gabe Kidd was and Alex Coughlin and Drilla Maloney and right all these new guys that they're putting a focus on, if you had no idea who they were, you'd still think they're the like all these people are stars because that's how these shows were presented. Uh, Strong has just taken off since the pan. pan I know COVID's still around, but since the pandemic, I mean, Strong has taken off. Does that have to do with Mercedes Monet being part of the brand? I think that helps because I think that brought more eyes to the New Japan Strong product. But she wasn't on this show. She didn't need to be on this show for people to be excited about it. So who they have on it? They had John Moxley, one of wrestling's biggest stars. They had, and, and, and that's the excitement for me of what these shows put together. It's and I don't even talk about the women's stuff, which obviously is you know my my bag over here and i thought they did a great job with that i mean i watched willow in japan and i was like i need i need her to get over there more obviously she got hurt and she couldn't wrestle on collision but you know it was worth it it was worth it i mean that title might be cursed or something because there's injuries coming from that title now for the two champions but i thought julian willow did a great job for two people who you know have never worked together I thought Tekla on night one made herself a lot of fans just based off of reactions I saw. Everything worked. Everything worked. And there's stories and, you know, thoughts to get into about title challengers and stuff like that. But my favorite part of it all, besides the main event of, you know, besides the wrestling, was just Eddie Kingston getting his moment. Eddie Kingston is a guy that I watch and I'm like, why was he never TNT champion? Why has he not been one of the mid-card champions in AEW, because every time he shows up in AEW, he's has one of the best reactions. Now, is he a draw in terms of, you know, merchandise and stuff? I have no idea. Couldn't tell you. But I know that when he shows up, he gets a reaction, and that happened over in Japan. There were people chanting, this is awesome. And he also got a great match out of Kenta. So, I mean, 
Eddie Kingston. What a worker. Is, Eddie Kingston does the, the has the one talent that all pro wrestlers need. Like I know we get lost in talk of the minutia of work rate and this and that and all this stuff. Eddie Kingston makes you care. Yeah. And at he the does. end of the day, that is what matters. Whether whether you love him, whether you hate him, when the man gets on the microphone and just emotes and and you know I don't want to use the term bleed because John Moxley was on the show and he literally bleeds everywhere. <laughs> but I mean, like the man just like the motions just pour out of him like no yeah. one else in wrestling. Like, and he has this ability to make you feel what's going on in his soul like no one else. So then the fact that that's now transcended continents yeah. is incredible. I never thought we'd see it, to be honest with you. It's amazing. It's special. It, it really is special. And now that he gets to go into the G1, I mean, he's going to have a match with Shingo. Like, for, you know, for the for wrestling fans like myself, like, that's as exciting as it gets in a lot of ways. It's like, those two are just going to go out there and batter each other. And then Eddie's going to cut a killer promo backstage about how this is everything he wanted because it's his first G1 match. Like, that is that is what I sign up for when as a fan, truthfully. I completely agree with both of you guys. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to add is that I think this shows also did a good job of establishing the these new sections of Bullet Club, these war dog factions or whatever. I think they did everything good... about Bullet Club currently, whether it's gold or in Japan, everything's good except for the actual leader of the new Bullet Club. <laughs> I completely agree with that. Um, uh, <laughs> I've been I've been a David Finley heel turn hater since day one. Um, yeah, no, I, I feel like they did a good job. Obviously winning titles helps. Um, but, uh, establishing this idea of like, you know, them as a group, them as a faction, them as this, this chaotic threat, uh, yeah. a big brawling, I'm not big brawling brutes, but brawlers, uh, that are throwing chairs around and throwing people around and doing all this nonsense. A very chaotic. I think they did not very cheating. not cheating. I think other than just you know just being crazy brawl, it, it, they have like a BCC energy in terms of their chaotic uh, brawlingness. Yeah. Uh, but I think they did a good job of establishing that as well. And I think that uh, for me was very much needed to see out of these new guys. Obviously, putting the tiles on on them helps, uh, and hopefully uh, we'll see how a lot of them do in the G one, or at least half of them do in the G one coming up. And so I'm excited to see how that turns out. Um, any other thoughts on New Japan Strong Independence before we move on? Um, Julia versus Mercedes Monet is your big signature event now. Yeah, so. coming out of this, right? Uh, we yeah. talked we talked about this in the preview. Where where the hell is that show going to happen? <laughs> what is that match? Is gonna I happen? think it's going to happen in the U.S. Like, I think the whole plan, and this is just me going off the cuff. I have no idea. Sometimes I know things. This is not one of those times. Uh, I think the plan was always to run Julia and Mercedes in a big spot. Probably not here, truthfully. Like Corkin Corkin's big, but like that's a bit it's a bigger show, truthfully, because it's it's the biggest match they have. It is absolutely like Julia I think won a lot of people over. I you know how I know she won people over? I had people I had I read people saying AEW needs to go sign her. And I said, ah, we've we've made it. I've made it to we stardom has made it to up uh, this person's over time for everyone else to take them away. Um, <laughs> that is your biggest match. Now that is your biggest match, whether it's new Japan stardom, whatever it is. And I think they're going to probably save it maybe for a big strong show. Cause Mercedes was supposed to be champion, right? For that match. 
now they've probably reversed. Now it's probably going to go from Julia to Mercedes rather than Mercedes to Julia. I think Mercedes to Julia would have been very reasonable, but now since she got hurt, we're going to do it the other way. And I think that's fine. I just am looking forward to however they book that because it's going to get a prominent spot wherever it may be. Preferably not on Wrestle Kingdom because I'd like it to be more than six minutes. I was just going to ask if Wrestle Kingdom would be the, the place for that because it would. It would. <laughs> You're right. It would get yeah. it would get a short match. You're 100% yeah. correct. I, you know Julia's over when people are booking Julia Mercedes Monet for Wembley a com- in a company that <laughs> neither of them work for. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, I don't, I don't think people realize like All In's not what it was last time. Like this is an AEW product. It's yeah. not a let's bring every company together product. <laughs> Twitter does not is not the place for you know subtle nuances like contract law. <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like. Will Ospreay needs to end the show on top. Like you know, he doesn't work there, right? Like it's not. <laughs> it's a weird move for Tony to put somebody else's guy on top of his big show. Like we got that. Yeah. Like you got that. Like mm-hmm. stop trying to make this weird. Yeah. But Threads is the perfect place for that. Um, <laughs> just joking. what do you guys think of Threads? What do you guys think of Threads? Yeah, it's, it's whatever. Weird. It's whatever. Right. It's now for weird. Me. It is a little weird. Like I like. It's like you go into a. I, I compare it to like you go to a party where you know everybody there, but it's in a different place. Like maybe you're in a different state. And you're like, the house is weird. And you're like, I know you people. Yeah. But it's not yeah. right. But it's also kind of like also your friends friends. and everyone are like at the end, like on the backside yeah. of the house. And you're like, <laughs> I have to get through all these through other all people. All these random people. Like, I, I, who are these people? I know that guy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's it's weird. It's very weird. It could be good. I haven't seen nearly as much. I haven't gotten up the threads being like, God, I hate everybody. Like like I often do. Yeah, that's the one good thing about the feed so far. Though I have hated famous company so far because that's all I get to see is like TikTok, and I'm like, I don't care what TikTok's threatening about. <laughs> what do I? What do I care? I'm not going to follow them on anything. Why, why right. do I? Don't... If I wanted to be with TikTok, I would be on TikTok, right? Yeah, now. exactly. I'm not Agreed. on TikTok for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Coming up this Saturday as well uh, is Impact Slammiversary. Obviously, their big-time summer show here happening this Saturday on Pay-Per-View and Fight. Uh, now, J.D. It, changed his show not to talk about Impact. I, we bring him bad. on ours, and we disrespect him with that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he he <laughs> happened to come on when Slammiversary is happening. That's I had a, I, I have a very complicated relationship with Impact. Is mm-hmm. I have, um, it's been my relationship with this company from the get-go, right? is I really wanted TNA to be something. And even though it had the company was called TNA, which was embarrassing to tell people, what show are you going to watch? I'm going to go watch TNA. And then you go watch you know, it. And there's a bunch of go-go girls dancing. Right, and then you're like, Oh, so they're living up to it, I guess. Yeah. But like, so I like, I'll go in this moments where I really like what's going on for the last 20 years. It's been like this. And then I'm like, go down. I'm like, God, this company sucks. And like, <laughs> I'm up and I'm down. It's always, it's very mercutial. Yeah. And uh, Mike and I had this podcast for two years where it was called brace for impact. We just talked about impact stuff. And the, this year just broke me like the show. <laughs> it's not the wrestling because the wrestling is yeah. often really good, mm-hmm. yeah. but like the booking, like people complain about booking and I'm just like, do you guys watch impact? Do you see what I have to go through every week on this show? Like what, what destroyed me finally was Taylor wild doing the, the tarot card thing on the ring apron while kylan king is wrestling and i i just i i, I call mike and i'm like i can't do this anymore man i just i hate this show so much i know it's funny when i go into an epic rant but i just 
I don't even have like the energy. Eventually, you just don't care. Yeah, that's what I was at. I'm like, they're telling me not to care about the company. So we 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 changed formats of our show. Show's much better now, and I've been told that things have been much better in Impact. I'm on an Impact hiatus at the moment. Sure. Perhaps I'll check back in with Slam Reversary. I haven't made that decision yet, but I know Mike's still doing. Mike's still covering it for our site a little bit. Scott, what do you think of Impact right now? Oh, uh, what do I think about Impact right now? It's a it's a company that could be so much better. I think that's my takeaway from it, and maybe that's the history of TNA as all. Um, but like they have the relationships in place, right? They have New Japan helping them out. Um, they and and they have you know Sammy Callahan, so they have like local things going on. But the New Japan part, most importantly, they've been entrusted with someone like Yuji Yomura. So clearly that's a big deal right i think everyone sees you you more as like a next big star type thing and it feels like more often than not they don't utilize that to the best of their ability starts with jay white for example and you guys talked about this on your show this week how jay white was brought in at slammiversary what two three years ago now two years ago yeah and didn't do anything for eight months. And then they were like, oh, yeah, you're just a mid-carder on our show. Like, here, here, we'll just put Jay White on our pay-per-views wrestling, like, Eric Young. And you'll you'll be okay with that, right? Eric Young of the design or whatever respect they were called. Respect the dead, sir. Eric Young, <laughs> Eric Young has been murdered. Please show as, respect for the dead. As far as I'm concerned, he has been, because he never popped up <laughs> anywhere else. <laughs> so you're probably right. But, like, there's some things that work, and then there's some things that are not. The one good thing that I'll give them credit for is they put the Motor City machine guns on top I all around. That. That's that's the best thing that it, you know, I, I jokingly said that's the best thing Impact's ever done. I don't even think I'm joking. Like, I love the Motor City machine guns. They're probably the, half the reason I even pay attention to them now because they have them. Um, and listen, they'll, they'll probably end at Slammiversary because good things can't last too long. But Not that's the best thing that they did. Um, no, exactly. And they ha- and I'm looking at this card now. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know half of it. Looks looks pretty good. There'll be good wrestling on the show. Like JD said, they have good wrestling. Always is good wrestling. I, it's I, the booking. I wrote about it on the... I did a sort of a six-month year-in-review-esque thing on patreon.com forward slash count pod. Uh, released that, that over ready. the weekend. Okay. Yeah, I had that ready. I talked about <laughs> Impact, and I said that like the, I feel like Impact has secretly put together a really good roster. Like I'm looking at their men's roster and it's like all of a sudden it's like, you know, Gresham's on there. Uh, you know, Alan Angels is a very good mid carter, I think. Nick Aldis pops up and I like Nick Aldis. I'm fine with him. Uh he's you know they Nick Aldis. What's that? He's good at being Nick Aldis. Yeah, he's great at being <laughs> Nick Aldis. He and he, he's also a new flavor in the impact uh w- soup bowl. I don't know. New new old flavor. Yeah, yeah he, he adds sense. something to to them that they didn't have before. You know, pushing Saban and Shelly up there it, it, more into the limelight is very good. Uh, it's like all of a sudden, you know, Speedball has been a fantastic gift. It took them. them 20 years to do that, by the way, but mm-hmm. it's fine. But it, it's like, it feels like they secretly like got like a good roster all of a sudden uh, mm. for Impact. And, yeah. I love ABC. Is that what they're called? ABC? Yeah, ABC Ace and Bay? Mm-hmm. Terrible, terrible, terrible name. Terrible name. Team. But let's talk about Slimeversary. Let's see if we can get JD watching it, uh, and we'll <laughs> we'll see we'll see what happens. So yeah, main event of course is your world title match, Impact World Title. Alex Shelley defending his title against Nick Aldis, who previously won that eight four one gimmick match. Uh, match sucked. Last, say it. Last match sucked. Had uh, Bully Ray in it. Sucked. 
Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was not only Bully Ray in it, but it was pretty much about Bully Ray the entire time. And that's I didn't like that. Um, that's why that there you go. That's how you get to sucking. Mm-hmm. But that's your main event. Any thoughts about the main event, uh, or should I just should I just do overall this sale of the matches? Yeah, right. yeah, good. So yeah, we I also have about every single one of these matches. <laughs> we have the Knockouts World Title Match: Diana Perazzo versus Trinity, uh, of course, formerly known as Naomi. Uh, if there was ever a shot, that for... main events doesn't it? That'll end up main eventing. I if Trinity's it's... winning, I think that main event. I think, I think you're right. I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair I to mean... say. Knowing this company, if Trinity is going to win, because she's pretty much their biggest star at the moment, Mm -hmm. that main events. You have the return to the ring of Scott Damore. That's right. They're the guy in charge. This is what I'm talking about. It's (laughs) stuff like this, man. Like, it's 2023. Don't nobody want to watch Scott Damore. did anyone want to watch Scott Demore rest? No, it, no, no. Go ahead. That's no. what we. That's so, what I'm here for. That's why you're on the show. Just go off. It's Scott Demore. <laughs> so to be clear, it's Scott Demore and PCO versus Bully Ray and someone else because Steve Macklin is apparently injured and won't be able to wrestle that match. Who is probably the, a- the best wrestler in that match? Won't be there. Oh, there's no probably. Steve Macklin is sneaky. Had a really good resurgence in Impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my partner Mike is probably one of his favorite wrestlers going right now like Macklin is really talented he's really found himself in impact he had a very a, a too short run with that title and now yeah. he's hurt which is just a damn shame and so yeah. now the net and what is the what is the median age in that match 56 probably like who the see the, <laughs> I can't even begin like to give a flying minutes. shit about this match like it's everything <laughs> that's wrong with impact is the fact yeah. that the guy Scott Demore has to book himself into these situations, mm-hmm. right? I used to compare Impact. We watch Impact's like watching the Muppet Show, right? The Impact is a show about a show about wrestling, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes yeah. the characters are running around trying to figure out how they're gonna get the show done, and, and Scott Demore is Kermit. So to me, it's <laughs> like I watched Bully <clears throat> Bully Ray put Kermit through a flaming table, and it isn't nearly as funny as it should be when I say that. Yeah, it's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I hate this shit. You Sorry. said you, but at the beginning of the show, you talked about how you were watching MLW back in 2019. Were you watching Ring of Honor back in 2019? Oh, I'm a big Ring of Honor fan. Yeah, I love Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, 2019 Ring of Honor was the hardest time to be a Ring of Honor fan, excluding the pandemic era when all wrestling yeah. was bad. Ring of Honor yeah. was just like super quiet and scary to watch. Like, but yeah, um, Ring of Honor 2019 was the dark days mm-hmm. of Ring of Honor. The Marty Skrull, the when the copy conversation Marty Skrull should have won the title at Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, well, it turned out that that was the right decision having Turned out Matt Taven was the right guy to do it. <laughs> turned out turned out Matt Taven was not the guy we deserve not the guy we deserve, but the the man we needed in that moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. It, that no, was also was. that was also the year of like peak bully ray, it felt like. Oh it was so bad man. It was, it was so bad. I got like I did they a whole got, they, I did a whole Patreon series about 2019 Ring of Honor and about like it, he hates himself. That's yeah, I, as you know, I watch MLW, I watch 2019 Ring of Honor. I hate myself apparently. Uh, it, it's at NWA, you got it all connected because it was also like during that time it was like peak Bully Ray feuding with like Lifeblood about Lifeblood. about about uh, Mark Haskins' wife. Uh, oh god, I forgot how bad this was. And then, like, Mark Haskin gets like injured or something. And then, no, Bully Ray is gone for no, because Bully Ray's gone because he gets, if I believe correctly, suspended for that fan interaction. If anyone remembers, 
where he brought a fan to the backstage area and basically oh, like, yeah. mafia yeah. shook them down. Well, go be a fan. Yeah. <laughs> that man was heckling his ex-girlfriend. Good lord. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so this is like, this is this is the Bully Ray influence of Impact. To bring it all back to the Impact, this is the Bully Ray influence of what we're getting is this sort of like, I think that escalation Yikes. of Muppet Show stuff of, you know, you... It's it's fine to have Waldorf and Statler in the in the balcony, but have them involved in the show is completely different. Completely, you didn't have Waldorf. <clears throat> you didn't have Waldorf and Statler, you know, in the act, mm-hmm. right? They weren't on stage trying to perform. They just made their jokes, and you moved on. They uh, made fun uh, of uh. it, <laughs> right? And no, we don't do that in Impact. You know, they just they got to get the old men right out there and someone's going to go through the flaming table and i just it's gonna be tommy dreamer or something it's gonna it? be tommy dreamer it's well, gonna to- be hold on tommy dreamer's feuding a bully that can't it can't be tommy dreamer they don't it's care impact. things don't make sense yeah that's true that's true <laughs> yikes this is bad. that's a bad match it's <laughs> really I will, bad i will not watch that i promise no, you, yeah, when we review when you have me review this show next week i will not be able to talk about it because I, I will not have seen it and it sucks because i'm pretty sure like the replacement for steve macklin is going to be like jason hotch or or what is jason jake page or whatever the other guy's name is the good hands yes the good hands. yes yeah or kurt hawkins as, as Brian mike Myers. said on the uh on jd's show the good hand jobs yeah they're, they're uh, jobbers yeah we're uh we're very immature um <laughs> Uh, rest of the show we have here is the Impact World Tag Team Titles are in a four-way ABC uh, versus Moose and Brian Myers. Oh, he's already on the show. Can't use him for the Bully Ray match. Uh, versus Rich Swan and Sammy Callahan, aka uh, Team Wrestle Revolver. Uh, versus Subculture. They're returning. Where the hell is the Rascals? Uh, not on the show. Didn't they just come back? Why are they not in this match? Uh, I don't know. Zachary Wentz not on the show. I guess they didn't Trey have a spot for him yet. Trey got engaged last night. Maybe he's on vacation. That's probably uh, that's, that's probably accurate. Uh, we also have the X Division title match: Chris Sabin versus Leo Rush. Being that's going to be awesome. Big that's circle match around tonight. that one. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, Them we, getting Leo Rush is pretty awesome. Yeah. Right? Uh, I'm happy. I love Leo Rush. I, I always do. Have. It's just boy, that guy just keeps tumbling. You know, New so Japan's like, is home. New Japan's yeah, home. I, I, he I feels pretty comfortable there. Yeah, I'm glad he's not. He's not always there, so I think that helps. Does that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love Leo Rush, man. I just this match is gonna rule. Him and Chris Saber are gonna have an excellent match. I'm very excited by that. I completely what a good agree. random match to put together for your big show. Random is all hell. Yeah. hey that's impact baby uh, yep. <laughs> uh frankie kazarian versus eddie edwards to settle the score with their wives and their corners uh we have the ultimate ex- time out, time out, time out. What, what, what is the score do you know what the score is uh what, what score are we I, I believe the score is one to one i think that's literally the score uh i don't All right, cool I, they have beef this is a beef rivalry uh both really good veterans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, they're going to put they're going to put together a solid match. That's pretty much what you're going to get. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a solid match. There's going to be a lot of <laughs> shtick involved cuz Tracy Brooks is back and That's a good point. Alicia's a heel now. That's so a good there's going to be a lot of bullshit and I'm eh. I like how I Alicia smell, I smell impact all over this one to be honest with you. I like how Alicia Could only be, turns but... whenever her husband turns. No, actually forever he was a heel and she was a baby face and they'd have this this drama, oh you're my ride or die, and they would they would just it would bleed into various angles. When it was with the Honor No More thing, I actually kinda liked it. Because mm-hmm. I actually thought Honor No More was one of the most critically underutilized stables. Agreed. Ever. I really liked Honor. They came no More. in super hot 
and then impacted nothing with them until Tony Khan had already bought in Ring of Honor and like completely killed that angle. Mm-hmm. And then they decided yeah. to push them. It's like, aha, great timing, guys. So they actually, it was fine there, but the fact that was almost two years ago. Yeah. Like, and the fact that now we're getting the Alicia Eddie stuff is just, I don't know, it's like, it's impact daylight dollar short stuff. It's whatever. It's going to be a lot of schlock in this match. Not for me. There is a Ultimate X match. Mike Bailey versus Jonathan Gresham versus Kushida versus Kevin Knight versus Angels. Uh, that should be that should be good. Kushida, Kushida and Gresham in an Ultimate X match. I think we forget like what kind of wrestlers they are. They are not, you know, the high flying risk takers, but they'll be good. I mean, that's five. That's five good wrestlers. It can't be bad. I just want to see Kevin Knight do a drop kick. To, on the from the canvas to someone hanging up, uh, it'll look cool. It will look yeah. awesome. Just do a, he'll jump up, drop a kick him in the head somehow, uh, and it'll be fantastic. It's such a yeah. random group of five. <laughs> That's what we do. It's I mean, dude, Frank, that is the lifeblood of Impact. Is you take five random smaller guys and put them in an Ultimate X match and watch them kill each other. Mm-hmm. Right? I like the lifeblood joke because lifeblood was about as random as. <laughs> An impact match like that. The most rare. I forgot lifeblood was a thing until Ryan mentioned them. Like well, I'm like, oh my god, lifeblood. I forgot about that. People yeah. hate people hate on Juice Robinson and AEW, you know, for his first few months. People never saw lifeblood. No. <laughs> well, well, if you forgot about lifeblood, check out patreon.com forward slash counterpod and check You're out welcome. my lifeblood pod lifeblood review show new blood so go check out patreon.com for us the other two matches well which I'm sh- you're welcome uh the other two matches which i'm sure are on the pre-show are the knockouts world tag team title match the coven uh the aforementioned taylor wilde and kylan king taking on the new- king's better than this agreed taking on the newly formed team masha slamovich and killer kelly you also have the digital media. Wait, 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 wait. Why did they do? Why? What have they done to Masha? What have the? What have they done to Masha? She was supposed to be a giant killer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They brought her in. I thought for sure this was going to be like kind of like the new awesome Kong of the division, like just this monster yeah. that was going to run roughshod over everybody, hold that title for a while. We'll build up a baby face, get a big. No, they didn't do that at all. Yeah. <laughs> like it seems. She's teaming like, with Killer Kelly. Clearly, they have not. I, I, I'm a big Killer Kelly fan because I'm the opposite. You know, no, no, I'm just no. He said because he's a perv. You didn't, you didn't like. I'm not a good because I'm not a good person. Perfect. Like, so okay. I'm, All right. Copy that. He's not a Killer Kelly in the like wrestle. No, no not in the wrestling sense. Like the character, fan of the big fan of the character of Killer Kelly. <laughs> this match is going to be so atrociously bad. I might run my face into a wall if I try to watch it. Yeah, it's uh, Masha's. Masha carry if you keep Ma- Masha and Kylan King in there, mm-hmm. it'll be okay. That should be good. That that those two have. That's why I said okay. Yeah, I, those mind you, fine. that's the the coven is the worst thing, and one of I can't say the worst, but one of the worst things in professional wrestling right now. So, I guess I they go with the oddball team of Killer Kelly and Masha because that's very impact too. Yeah, yeah. and it gives right. Masha a title and Killer, I guess, a title. And they're like a very weirdly horny tag team. That's so. exactly what it is. And the impact, because trust me, we have like we have this big impact fan group that Mike and I are a part of. They will eat that up. Yeah. People will be all about that. Oh, people so already serve, are all about that. Yeah. It will serve the impact fan base quite well. Hey, hey, and we hey. should never talk about the matches. There's an argument Never. to me that that's a good good booking for serving your fans, I guess, you know? I I, I guess. 
Uh, it was built on TNA, so, you know, the horniness works. Uh, well, it didn't quite work, actually, at the very beginning, <laughs> to be fair for TNA. You ever seen those old shows, like, in retrospect? Mike and I watched I, the I, I am at, I am on TNA episode 14. I've been, Good for you. I've been re-watching, or not re-watching, I've been watching them. Yeah, I, and, and yeah, like, the first, what was it? I, by the time they get to, like, episode 6 or 7 or something, the company itself is, like, bankrupt. So, or practically bankrupt. Oh, uh, the, the story behind TNA is way more fascinating than anything that went on mm-hmm. in the ring at the time. It'd be a hell of a book. It would be. Someone else is actually working on it because I actually pitched that a couple years ago. And I guess there's Mike actually knows the guy. He's um, someone who's actually been with them for a long time. There is a hell of a book there. Yeah. Because just listening to the, like the Jeff Jarrett podcast, the Conrad podcasts aren't great, but listening to Jeff Jarrett be brutally honest mm-hmm. about the history of TNA is absolutely fascinating. Sometimes. Love like, Jeff Jarrett. Oh, he's the best. Mm-hmm. Like, so ain't he great? <laughs> yes, he is. Thank you, sir. Um, <laughs> the fact that you can go back and you've watched 14 in a row of those old TNA shows, I tip my cap to you, sir. I remember them in the in in real time being awful. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing my own out of my own want watching old imp- i told you i'm a i'm a crazy person i've been watching mlw you are, you are I'm, watching- <laughs> I, I'm watching i'm, I'm waiting on the nwa comment it's coming i'm not i'm not watching nwa well they have oh. a, they might be coming to tv so maybe i'll oh, watch it um yeah. yeah i've been watching oh, it's coming. i've been watching tna i've been watching ring of honor uh from the beginning so yeah i've been slowly slowly building up my my, my ring of honor watching has now dwindled to zero <laughs> oh well, I'm not. Until I'm not watching paper modern paper. Ring of Honor. I'm watching a 2002 oh, okay. uh, Ring of Honor. With All right, the, you've uh, gone to good Ring of Honor, yeah. not 2019 Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Slowly but surely. Um, and then the only other match here on Slammiversary, of course, is the digital media title match between Kenny King and Joe Hendry. Yeah, not watching that. Thanks. Uh, I have to ask you, JD. Are you? Do you? Sorry, I should say. Do you believe in Joe Hendry? Yes. He's hilarious. Joe Henry is awesome until the bell rings. Can, um, <laughs> I was about to say, can you there explain to me, someone who actively does not believe in Joe Hendry, why I should believe in Joe Hendry? And then he said the bell rings. The bell rings <laughs> yeah, there over. we go. The whole thing is over. He's hilarious. Like, he just has great presence. He's actually perfect for impact, right? Because, yeah. like, he's okay in the ring. He takes up a lot of time on their TV show with his skits. People laugh at them. He gets like good silly reactions out of people, and then that's it. You yeah. know, it's fine. The Digital Media Championship has the worst name of any pro wrestling title. It's a joke, right? So putting it on Joe Henry makes perfect sense because Joe Henry's good at being, you know, a meme wrestler. They um, they did one of those music things for Yuya Uemura the other day, and I did laugh. Like he sang his song, but it was end up being Yuya, and he just like popped out like it was a sitcom, and I was like. Damn it, I laughed. <laughs> that's the, he's good at that stuff. He get, you yeah. want to hate Joe Henry. That's the thing is, you want to, like, again, I was that guy. I'm like, I'm not going to laugh at this guy. I'm like, he's Scottish. That's that's kind of cool. And then next thing you know, five minutes later, you're cracking up because yeah, yeah. he actually is funny. He's just not a great pro wrestler. Yeah. Which is why Impact's the perfect place for you. Yeah, that's true. That's probably true. Um, any other thoughts on Slimiversary before we no. move on? Not perfect. Oh, right. Tr- Trinity wins. And do you think Nick Aldis I- is winning? The world title? Yes. Probably. I, I, I said it at the beginning of this. I knew the Motor City Machine Guns fun will not last long. And it's probably because of Nick Aldis. So. That's probably fair. Um, 
Uh, another show. Leo Rush won. I'd be okay. Eh, yeah, I'll I, totally like, okay. I just like Leo Rush. Leo yeah. Rush is great. I don't think that's gonna happen though. No, I don't either. The only uh, the other show that's happening this same day as Slammiversary, we'll talk about real quickly, is uh, AAA having their another second oh, Triple Mania. I hate AAA. From out of Tijuana <laughs> uh, this Saturday. The the card itself is whatever. I mean, there's an ambulance match between QT Marshall and Pentagon Junior. That's something. Uh, uh, but the only two things I think really are note here are the main event and the continuation of the tag team feuding, and then the losers or whatever face into a, a mask versus mask match uh, at the next Triple Mania. Those are the only two matches that are really talking about, and that is of course the. I can't say this. Uh, Guerra del de Rivadales final match. LA Park and Rouge versus Psycho Clan and Sam Adonis. Of course, the losers of this match will go and f- do a hair versus uh, mask match at the next Triple Mania. But you also have the idea of is Rouge going to be at the show? No one knows. He is ex- apparently, you know, a couple weeks ago quit Triple A. He has not showed up <laughs> on Triple A TV apparently. And. No one, I checked Lucha blog today just to verify. Still no idea if Roosh is even going to be at the show. We'll find out. And then, of course, your main event, which is I think is the a very exciting. world-class pro wrestler right there. Mm-hmm. Your main event, which is Old very school. exciting. Triple A mega title, El Hijo del Vikingo versus Kenny Omega. Uh, what are your thoughts, guys, on those two matches? The main event's going to rule. Yeah. yeah. yeah the main then, event's going to be great. Scotty, what do you think about that main event? I mean... It's going to be phenomenal. Now, am I going to lose my mind watching AAA production? Absolutely. Because, again, I hate AAA. Their their production is so bad. Like, they make WWE look normal with camera cuts. Oh, it's That's an accomplishment. It's um, But Kenny Omega is, you know, pound for pound, best in the world. Vikingo's Vikingo. It's going to be fantastic. I think Kenny wins. You think Kenny wins? You think Kenny takes the title off him? I mean, they don't care about the title, right? Like That's true. we've established Tony. that right. they don't. They don't care about the title. Care about it. And I think they were. If if Tony Khan said, "Yeah, you can have Kenny Omega around more," I think they're going to absolutely be like, "Yep, we're giving him the belt." Tony Khan. I would love to sit in a Tony Khan Conan phone call at some point because these are two people who clearly don't like each other, but for some yeah. reason continue to work together. So I just yeah. I would just love to hear how it how it talked between them because again, this show has QT Marshall and Pentagon in an ambulance match, and I I love Pentagon, but I cannot think of something I'd like to watch less than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm That's thinking to QT myself Marshall now, special right there, baby. I'm thinking to myself now, what are the odds you open up the ambulance and Johnny TV is inside the ambulance and then he beats up Pentagon and then that's the return of... I believe it's Johnny Caballero in AAA. Sure, I guess that's true. In in AAA, it's Caballero. But yeah, I was just thinking to myself, what are the odds that he's probably going to be on the show as well? Why is that even a match? I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the Omega beat Vikingo when it was on AEW Dynamite. I, I, I can totally see the argument of Omega winning. Oh, yeah, I forgot that he beat yeah, Vikingo. Yeah, I, th- I can okay. see the argument of Omega winning. It's Omega. You put the title Omega, yada, yada, yada. But I think the idea here ultimately is that we're putting Vikingo over. That's what Omega wanted to do. Uh, put Vikingo over in his country, you know, that all that sort of stuff. I, I think it should be the a real great question match is will Don Callis be involved? 
Hmm, that could be fun. Because it seems like any match Kenny has, Don Callis is there. And that he, Omega has to lose, so, you know, maybe it's not necessarily by Vikingo's hand. Maybe it's by Don Callis's hand. Or maybe Takeshita shows up out of nowhere. We have established Don Callis in AAA. That is true. That's true. That's very true. So, so maybe, maybe, maybe that is how we get there. I don't know. Kenny could always just lose clean, and AEW could never mention it too. That's always a possibility. You think he's going to lose clean in AAA? That's I. That was the joke. <laughs> There's no <laughs> way. There's no way. Maybe they'll send Takeshita. Maybe they'll have him do the dirty work. You know. You know. Um, I would not be surprised to see Don Callis and Takeshita mm-hmm. in AAA. Right. Yeah. That that could actually happen. That might be a thing. Yeah. I'd be okay with it. Better than a shitty ref. Just, you know, what what match was it a few years ago where the ref was just like a heel? And I was like, this is, this is that's bad. that's triple A. They have a heel referee that purposely does slower counts and purposely ignores. Oh, that's like having Michael Cole as like the heel who just loves the Miz. Oh, wait a minute. WWE did that for like a that. year and it made everything insufferable. Uh, well, the Miz makes everything insufferable. So. This is true. Any this thoughts true. on the Roosh situation, whether or not he will show up for this match uh, that is dependent on another main event for another show? Who knows? It's Roosh. <laughs> yeah. He could show up. He could not show up. Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they know. I don't even know if Roosh knows. Roosh yeah. definitely doesn't know. <laughs> right. He's going to wake up in the morning and be like, how do I feel today? I think I'm going to work. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they should sure replace him with uh, Jeff Jarrett. You will get a professional, competent job every time. Yeah, that would be interesting. Jeff Jarrett's <laughs> career in AAA is definitely something. And then, so, Im- and then imagine if Jeff Jarrett and L.A. Park lose, and then the main event of Triple Mania in Mexico City in whatever, October, whatever it is, is L.A. Park versus Jeff Jarrett, mask versus hair match. That's what I'm talking about, baby. That's, that that's put, That'll put butts in seats. That, I feel like that would actually Jeff draw. Jeff Jarrett will make sure people are in seats. Oh, I yeah. know. He'll be throwing He'll be tortillas a... to the crowd. He's going to go out of his way to make that work. He'd yeah. also agree to being, having his head shaved. So that would be yeah. crazy. Yeah. He don't care. And, and, he, and he's had a long history of AAA. So it actually would probably draw, to be honest. You're welcome. You're welcome. I booked you a main event, AAA. Um. Any other thoughts on AAA? I think we're about done here. There was a couple of news items, but I think we're out of time. Um, yeah, Kota showing up. There you go, everybody. Oh, AAA? That would be cool. No, no, no. I meant, I meant to play the guts. That would be out of... That's out of left field, man. Kota huh, all right. Instead of, instead of Roosh, Kota Bushi. All right. I guess it's fine. I was trying to put in all the other stuff that we had. Kota Bushi and AEW and uh, NWA and... CW. CW? Yeah. CW. My I, question is... Okay. How bad is MLW if they couldn't get on the CW? Mike has been <laughs> trying to will impact on the CW since they uh, since they got purchased by whoever. I forget who owns them now. So the fact that NWA came in and smashed those pumpkins and got on there before anybody nice. else is just thank you is just amazing. Since it's the mer- be... since the merger, I've talked about that someone has to go on CW at some point. It's a prime spot for wrestling, honestly. Oh yeah, was, Mike. Mike was convinced it was going to be Impact. Convinced. And I said, no, it's not going to happen, man. It's not going to happen. I did not foresee the NWA coming in and scooping it out. Be honest, never in a million years thought that was going to be a thing. No, they, here we are. I feel like they're going to do one of the, they're, they're probably doing like one of those gimmicks, but they're paying for the TV slot. Well, it's actually, from what I'm told, it's going to be a reality show. In, which is probably best for NWA because now we have to watch them wrestle. So, 
It's um, a reality show that's going to try to push people to fight, <laughs> to fight TV and watch watch the matches. Is that the idea? It sounds like a disaster. It does sound like a disaster. Oof. Sounds like NWA. Man, yeah, as I, you, as I said on this, uh, I said this to someone a few weeks ago. The NWA died when Ric Flair left. That was a joke, but at the same oh, no, time, it's very true. That's a and the yeah. fact that we still talk about this company in the year 2023 is very funny. I could tell you exactly when the NWA died. When Bobby Heenan held up the NWA big gold belt on primetime wrestling. Yeah. That was it. It was WCW mm-hmm. from then on officially. Yep. And that was it. That was the end of the NWA. That was the final blow. It has never, no matter how many times, I think it's like six, no matter how many times they tried to reboot it from then, it's never worked. The NWA died, like you said, when Ric Flair left WCW. And then, great title belt. Because then you have oh, a, the best ever. The best title belt ever. Uh, yeah. Then you have WCW. Then you have WCW NWA trying to figure out a new title belt situation for several months, and then Ric Flair comes back and like, all right, okay, now we can do something with this. That whole well, no, mess best, that that was. So the best was they had this. Okay, now you're getting historian JD talking. Mm-hmm. You had this pay per view at at uh, uh, Great American Bash 1981. You had Luger and Wyndham in a cage for some reason because they weren't really feuding at the time and they just take took the old florida belt and slapped a plate over it yes so you couldn't see that it said florida <laughs> and that's the belt that luger has in the ring and mm-hmm. the fans are just shitting on the show the whole night we want flair we want flair during everything and the fact that the show was so awful yeah. Like beyond the main event is just terrible. Nick uh, Sting and Kola, Nikita Koloff had this cage match or this chain match that had zero blood. Kevin Sullivan cuts one of his bonkers promos with the one man gang talk with the third eye. It's just, it was so atrociously bad. And how do you end the show by shitting bigger on the crowd and having Luger turn heel with Harley race mm-hmm. to top it off with this crappy looking belt. It is one of the worst things from a major professional wrestling company you will ever see. Who was because who was booking the WCW at that point in time? Dusty wrote. Uh, no, because didn't. Flip. No, Dusty didn't come back yet. This is still Jim Hurd. Yeah, it's still Jim. Hurd. Jim still Jim Hurd, and he's was it was it Jim? Yeah, I'll take your I'll take your word for it. I don't, I, I'm sure you know more than me. Uh, yeah. Uh yeah no because it, it wasn't Jim heard the guy that was also like part of the reason why Ric Flair left of like oh yeah oh they need, hate each other they yeah hate each other. they Jim, need Jim you need Herb. to cut your hair and you need to do uh-huh. all this stuff mm-hmm. want to call him Spartacus he wanted to have an earring <laughs> Spartacus yeah, he, just, he just wanted Flair out he thought that yeah. Flair was just had was was done little did he know the man would be around for another twenty years was Jim heard the, was Jim heard the guy that hired uh um Sheik who was the guy that yes. hired. Yes. yes. The Jim Hurd era was when they, they gave the Aaron Sheik $100,000 $100, for two years and then didn't book him. Well, booked him for like a month or two and was in, like, in, oh, in, he yeah, sucks. Yeah. He's, oh, he's he's really terrible. bad. And it was Sting in uh, Wrestle War 89 pay per view and it is really, really bad. And if I'm not mistaken, it was like they gave him a contract for two years, but they had the option. It was an option deal where it was like they could do a second year if they wanted to. Forgot that that forgot that he was on the contract. The contract rolled over, and they had to give him more money for a guy they weren't using to just sit at home for a year. He had two six figure deal, like he had a two year six figure contract, and worked a total of like ten matches. I want to say, yeah, like <laughs> that's the Brock Lesnar way. Yeah, but Brock Lesnar at least will show up. It'll be something interesting and good, and he'll show up, have Sheik. an interesting match, and draw. Sheik at this yes. time wasn't drawing. <laughs> Yeah, he never. No. I mean, like the. I don't know if the Sheik ever drew. To be quite honest with you, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was really, really bad. Like yeah. that era of the Iron Sheik. Yeah, that 
early 1991 WCW is some of the worst wrestle crap you'll ever see until Dusty comes back. When Dusty comes back in the fall of 91, stuff starts getting mm-hmm. better, like almost immediately. Like the Clash, one of my favorite Clashes actually is the Clash November 91, where uh, Sting gets attacked and we reveal that um, uh, that Rude, Rude and Sting, that's when the feud starts. Mm-hmm. And that's when when uh, Rick Steamboat comes back and t- tags up with uh, Dustin Rhodes. Like, that is immediately when things start getting better in WCW. Not great, but better. Yeah, like there's better. an immediate there's an immediate uh, shift in quality. And like the problem with WCW is they just they changed after her leave, they changed direction so quickly. So I mean it's hard to get like any type of consistency with that program. I'll get off my old man soapbox. No, I love this. WCW is something I, I know in, in like early WCW and w, NWA is something I'm so fascinated with, but I've like seen so little of it. It's something it, like I don't, I don't know why I'm choosing Impact and Ring of Honor first, but like I I want to actively do it like a WCW NWA into WCW and then to the end of it I guess. Rewatch. Having lived having lived it, it's something. And yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was something. Well, like, he's watched again, 14 episodes of early TNA. You can watch it. Well, that's the thing. What? Like it's like they have. I think. I think for the most part, I not. I don't think this is out of the question. Way better wrestling than early Impact, early TNA stuff. But like the drama behind the scenes is so wild Absolutely. and crazy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, like the Nitro book and the Companion. I think that you have to read the Nitro book and you have to read Death of WCW. I think you have to yeah. read both of them because, like the Nitro book, you get this like grand overarching scheme from the people who actually were in the trenches yeah and then brian gives you this great fan outlook on kind of what we were watching and how we all consumed it at the time mm-hmm. so i think the two books kind of go hand in hand but even the nitro book only picks up from when nitro really starts like there's this whole interesting period before like, yeah from from the the moment it gets weird is really when crockett buys the uwf yeah from that moment on things really get derailed and the company is really spiraling out of control pretty much until Hulk Hogan like brings in some stability. Mm-hmm. And I hate saying that, but it's the truth. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, the stuff behind the scenes is far more fascinating than what goes on in the ring, but there's also some really good wrestling that happens too. Yeah. Like, people like to crap on WCW, but that's, it was the work. They had it sting. Was the work rate. They did have, sting. as I like to say, they had sting. That's good enough for me, but they also, they also had good matches, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like cause WWF in that era was not known for their work rate. Let's be honest. You go back and watch some of those, early 90s wwf pay-per-views and they're they're bad yeah right wcw had good wrestling matches like consistently they're always good matches and they would swing for the fences but they would they would whiff yeah you know, and it would be a spectacular just a spectacular <laughs> whiff. the problem with like going back and watching old wcw and wwf tv is tv wasn't meant to be consumed the way we consume wrestling tv now so it's all squash matches and stuff like mm-hmm. that it makes for yeah. very boring watch unless you know you go back and try to like you're almost better off going up and trying to pick up angles and stuff like that and yeah interviews to get a vibe on the on what was going on because like people didn't watch people just didn't watch wrestling like that the way they like they watch it today mm-hmm. you it was just an infomercial that gets you to go buy a ticket yeah so it's it's harder to i think it's because all i want to watch old w7 like i'll oh, just watch the pay-per-views don't watch don't watch the old tv because the old tv unless you have a specific angle in mind mm-hmm. like right um Vader and Cactus Jack from early 93 when Vader nearly kills him. Mm-hmm. Right? That's great TV. Yeah. But you got like that once every couple months. Mm-hmm. Like for the most part TV was it's just a thing to to do, to do. You know like it was just it was yeah. so different. 
yeah well yeah that dramatically changed like years later uh but yeah no because i love that angle of just like i think there is like an art to like jobber matches an art to like you know seeing seeing somebody you know we talk about it all the time is like you know jobber is really it's a good idea of like seeing how good this guy is at selling you know seeing someone having something on tv happening the gambler having the gambler on tv uh you know and also and also like they had like a crap ton of like television that's just like you know Tons. like like jobber material you now mm-hmm. you know until nitro came about where it started becoming more of like a flagship product uh it was kind of just like here's a bunch of wrestling on tv well you, saturday you, night saturday night was a good show like, i think saturday night was the best wrestling program mm-hmm. any pro of any of the wrestling in there because like stuff would happen on wcw saturday night you would have angles you would have interviews that were interesting like things would move they would like it would yeah. move things forward when oftentimes like like old if you have some old raws it's like an old like primetime wrestling it's like stuff moves at a snail's pace yeah like at least like things happened on wcw saturday night but again it's just it was just such a different product back yeah then. Yeah, I want to. I want to ask you. Guys, well, I was going to ask JD two questions before we got off, but I'll ask one to both of you. What's the last like wrestler that you know utilized the jobber matches to like truly get over, like get all the way over and stay over? Like last over. wrestler in terms of modern sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> have fun thinking about it. Because the first person that came to my mind was Wardlow, but. I don't even think it was the jobber stuff that got him over. Oh. I think if anything, that hurt him. Oh, you mean like <laughs> the the guy that's pushed, not the actual Yeah, jobber. like Ryback, for example. Okay, not not the actual jobber that was able to No, 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 no. I don't need you to bring up James Ellsworth or something. No, I'm good. Well I was the, the answer to that was probably Fuego. Uh that's that was probably gonna be that's probably gonna be he got a or Alan Angels, because remember Alan Angels made Ryan Satin shit his pants. <laughs> that's true. Um hmm. I got blocked for that. Um, <laughs> cut, a, cut a block for that one. That's fine. Um, oh, I blame my life is better. Um, <laughs> not to be able to see his random thoughts. I'm. It was a favor. I considered. A, I considered a blessing. Yeah. I can't think of the most. Yeah. Of like the last guy that got. I guess Ryback because he got over in that era. My right. other person was Strowman. Maybe I was going. I was about to say Strowman. That really like elevated him to like the you know coming out of the draft in 2016 separated him from the rest of the wide pack and and that put him onto the trajectory of eventually that roman reigns feud which to this day i thought he should have won that feud um well well i mean you, well, you heard yourself though yeah. roman reigns losing <laughs> well this is 2016 that doesn't happen sir that's also true yeah right? i heard jd bet everything on it the other a uh, few weeks ago on his show and he uh thought it was a safe bet but yeah, I, I'd say Strowman. He's watching Raw now. Watching Raw now. <laughs> he lost. Strowman was able to like get to that, use that, yeah, that sort of stuff, and use that push. I guess it was all part of it to get eventually to become the next big monster and yeah. world title challenger. Because I think that I mean, does play to how it doesn't. One, it doesn't work as easily anymore. But also, no. you need the right situation too to make it work. Yeah, because the problem is with the jobber guy now is when you have the jobber guy in there, you know what it's for and it sticks out on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like back in the 80s and 90s, everyone had jobber matches. So, I mean, it was just it was just the presentation of wrestling. Now, when you have those things, it's very clearly by design and it almost always works in a short term. Mm -hmm. No one's ever been able to make themselves a star with these things. I when you said that my mind went to Vader. 
Because when Vader was doing these mm. things in WCW in the early '90s, before yeah. he had his world title run, and again he was a he was a Japan guy, yeah. So he was yep. in and out. So he would come in, they would bring in, he would just absolutely murder these poor men, I and like Vader. it helped me too. It helped make him like this, yeah, almost like dangerous thing because like he would only show up on occasion, and when he was there, people were getting hurt. Mm -hmm. So you had a good year and a half to two years to really like build a mystique around Vader before he really is in a program and his first like real program is with sting for the title yeah right and because you have years of him just laying people to waste it really helped establish him as an absolute monster like i remember they would do the vader public workout where he would have three guys in there and he would beat the snots out of all three of them at once mm -hmm. by actually beating the snots out of all three of them at once yeah. it was great stuff but i mean again that was part of the presentation of wrestling now yeah. when you do it you you know, like with Wardlow, it worked for a little bit, but where do you go with that? Eventually, you can't just be that guy that kills everybody. Right. Right. You have to be able to tell a story. I think that's, and I people are like, oh, Wardlow, start, stop, start, stop. I'm like, well, that's because he's limited. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? They tried it with Hobbs, too. They tried it with Hobbs, too. And Hobbs needs to, last night is a change. We need to see what the follow up with Hobbs yeah. is. I'm very curious to see what happens here. I think he's got a lot of talent. I just don't think they really know what to do with him all the time. I agree. I would also I would also add that like you also have the difference of like the jobber term becoming more well known in modern modern days, oh, yeah. and then not only well known but then sort of used kind of also similar to like Mark and Smark mm -hmm. used in a such a negative connotation that yeah. like you know you don't want to be the jobber you don't want, you know oh it's a jobber oh you know you know you throw your hands up and you're like oh whatever who gives a crap about this you know it's right. not I don't want to say respected as much as it once was, but it's not, it, it's now like seen as like in a weird way, like a bad thing. And like, you know, yeah. and then you get like a jobber match on TV. And you're like, all right, time to go to the bathroom. And you know, I can move on with my life or whatever. Yeah. It, it's a shame. Cause it wasn't art, but obviously with how wrestling's changed, you can't, you can't use it as well. But yeah. I wanted to just bring that question. Up Cause it was like, I was thinking in my head, who did it actually work for? Because, you know, they still use it. Right. They still use it from time to time, but it's not something that you can use all the time. Oh, um, yeah. But I guess we can wrap up the show. I will have two questions for JD, then we'll leave. Perfect. Okay. Well, JD, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Uh, oh, it's been great. Thanks for having me. I, I love, love I, I, I love talking with you. I love talking WCW stuff with you. That was fantastic. Um, uh, where, let's just do, start off with you. Where can people find you? Easiest place to find me is uh, Twitter, basically, JD at JD underscore Oliva. I'm at Threads, which I <laughs> wanted to be JD underscore Oliva, but I can't do that there. It's has to be my Instagram account. So it's J.D.Oliva at Threads. Uh, best places, I have two sub stacks going right now, one for my wrestling writing, one for my fiction writing. I've got a, my one sub stack is I'm, I'm chap, every Monday and Wednesday is a chapter from my book, Harvest Moon. And then my uh, wrestling sub stack is just me writing articles about you know, sometimes the reprints, sometimes they're uh, they're newer things. Just talking about older wrestling stuff. You know, that's kind of that's what I'm into. Did did you uh, formally release Harvest Moon as a book? I feel like I yeah. saw a cover of that recently. Yes. Yeah, it's actually one right behind me. That's the the painting's actually hanging up right behind me. Uh, yeah, no, I, I released it in 2019, and this is just uh, something me trying something. You know, um, I'm yeah. teaching now. I'm starting grad school in the fall, so I don't have as much time as I would like to to write another novel. Mm -hmm. So sure. this is just something just something for me to do while uh while i'm getting those, those the, the old education done so it's just a way i mean it's my it's my best-selling book it's the one that has the most reviews so i figured hey let's let's just try something different 
And of course, we want to plug Mike and JD show on yep. on Fight Game Media. And of course, every, every Friday morning. And of course, at least a year from now, a book about the 1950s Chicago yep. uh, territory scene. Yep, as soon as yeah. I can. Hopefully, hopefully, all the interview subjects can stay alive for the next few years before <laughs> I get a chance to talk to them. When yeah. you come yeah. out with it, we'll have you back on for sure. I would love to because I mean, this is going to hopefully be, uh, before that too. But hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, we've got to see how this goes. I mean, like. Um, I'm really interested in the subject matter. My first Substack was actually a story about Don Eagle, who was a world champion, but not the NWA world champion, who got hosed on Chicago TV. He got you know screwed over in a match with Gorgeous George. So that was a mm. fun thing to talk about. And it wasn't like the title didn't change hands, but it was like literally done to hurt his drawing power. Mm-hmm. And it was like colder, you know, basically showing who had the power. It's fast. These these stories are just interesting stories about power dynamics right i just i love that kind of stuff uh thanks for having me on guys i really like talking about wrestling my two questions just before we go because i know and again because i know you're these are scotty's famous two questions for every guest they're always different but you're you're a japanese pro wrestling fan like us and it's tournament season almost so i just want to know who do you think is going to win the g1 and who do you think is going to win the end one I'm not a predictions guy, right? I know. And like, uh, I know not, you are. <laughs> I know. This is where I, I struggle because the end one, I think it's going to be Kano because I think they're doing yeah, something with him. I, do I think, I think that because you split off from Congo and uh, I got a guy, guy, I know a guy in the office. Um, I don't, he doesn't give me any information. I just, that's my hunch. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm willing to bet on Kano, but I'm a terrible better. Never take my, never, never listen to me. Clearly, I have to watch Raw every week. The G1, I think, is interesting this year because I don't. My head says Okada because I mean I think that's kind of where we can go with things. But I mean I don't have a I don't have a strong vibe one way or the sure. other. I think the G one's really open this year. What do you think, man? Well, you know this was it was supposed to lead into the preview that we're going to do this coming week with Chris Sampsa, but but for now. I'm thinking Naito or Okada. Naito because of the Sonata connection, right? We could because sure. you got to work into the Sonata part. Okada's just Okada. He would be the first person since Anoki to win three straight, and that wouldn't shock me if that's kind of what they're going for since he's in his Anoki era. New Japan um, booking too, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it for me, it's either of those two. You can't really lose with either one. There's one on one side, of course. You have Okada in the main event of Tokyo Dome again against Sonata, getting that redemption, kind of living up to the old, you know, he's the guy beating up the young guys, but maybe he wants to be champion again. And then with Naito, it's Sonata Naito. that It writes itself in a lot of ways. They haven't done that match yet, and it, I'm going to guess they don't link up at all in the weird G1 that they have, you know, with the quarterfinals and semifinals. I don't want to do the math to my head. That's why I'm Chris Sampson on the show. He can do that math. I'm not going to. Chris is good at math. He's he's excellent at those things. And and we don't do predictions when we talk to Chris because Chris doesn't do predictions. So this, I guess, is my good time to say I'll go with, uh, I guess, Naito for now because Naito's your biggest draw still. You think they keep the belt on Sonata all the way up to Wrestle Kingdom? I mean, if I had the choice, I wouldn't. But (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. He's very over, you know. You know, JD, you know this. You mm-hmm. talk to Jeremy, of course, Jeremy Finestone. Yeah. He'll tell you he's really good at, you know, feeling the grasp of the Japanese audience. And he's really over over there. But he's not here. And it almost feels like you're going to be in a spot 
where you know you remember when they did uh tanahashi and nakamura was it okada and naito and they switched the main event mm-hmm. yeah it feels like that could uh, they won't switch it again because they didn't even switch it for kenny and osprey but it feels like if Sonata's still champion that could happen again but, can, but like, Kenny and Kenny and Osprey was also against Okada and Jay White, so I, I can I can see an argument that which was cold though, cold. But I can see argument. But that, it's Okada. Know, it's Okada. It's Jay White at that point. But it was Okada last time. Mm, that's true. That is true. Different Okada. I push back on Sonata being really over because the numbers have not recovered from where they were pre-pandemic. Sure. Yeah. So the that's, fans that's that are still going are really into Sonata. But they haven't won back all the people that left when the pandemic happened. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, yeah, he's over to them. But yeah. where are all the people that were there before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of my, yeah, I, I get, I get what, what they, what people say that mean, but. Internationally, business, he's not at all. Internationally, he's not. He didn't make it, but he didn't make a difference over here whatsoever. But again, they're servicing their market as Japan. Yeah. But like I said, where were those fans that that were buying shows that were buying tickets three or three, four years ago. Where are they at yeah. now? Like, right. cause they're not coming up to watch Sonata, but in reality, they're not coming up to watch anybody at the moment. So yeah. not all on him. The company's got to get hot again too, which maybe, maybe it starts changing. We're, we're definitely in the midst of it yeah. though. I think you're right with the, you know, the way the attendance is going. Maybe Naito's your answer then. You know, I don't know. I mean, like you got reliable. We're definitely in a youth movement. Right, yeah. New yes. Japan definitely a youth movement. They're definitely moving in that direction. So you have yeah. to you have to kind of stick with people. But is Sonata a youth movement guy? No, he feels like a transition guy. I I, I love the Three Musketeers. So. I, I was about the, to say, the, sorry, the new Three Musketeers. I love all of them, but I, the new ones, I think they have potential. I was about to say that, like you know, we're talking Okada and Naito. You know, announcing the re the Rewa Three Musketeers right before the G one. I don't necessarily know. I don't necessarily think they're going to win, but I, I think they're it, in the it, worst it, possible it, block to win. It, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, I think it immediately puts yeah. their their name into contention of like eh, it's possible. It's certainly yeah. po- if you're really if, if you if no- Okada was champion, I'd be picking Kaido Kiyomiya, and not looking back. But Okada is not champion. So hey, look if 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 you need to, you're a rev- man, sir. If, I know <laughs> if you need to revolutionize New that's Japan. That's your biggest match, though. Everyone loves is. that. Yeah. Well, oh, because it was awesome. Yeah. Like Dickhead Okada is the best version of Okada. It is, and it that's is. what we really got. Kiyomiya just brought out this nasty mean streak in him, and I personally can't wait to see it again. I love Kiyomiya; he's great. The, I saw someone tweet. I no, no, no. I was gonna end the show. I'm so sorry, JD. I know you have a life to get back to, but I, I need, I need to complain. I saw someone tweet, and it's just someone stupid. So like, I don't, I shouldn't care. But someone said Kaito Kiyomiya is Japan's Austin Theory, and I wanted to lose my mind. I was like, I know you're just doing that to rile some people up. I know. But have you ever watched Austin Theory wrestle? And have you ever watched Kaito Kiyomiya wrestle? Because it's not the same thing. No. It, that's Austin Theory sucks, by the way. Uh, I don't even I mean, first of all, Kiyom, they've been Noah's been behind Kiyomiya for years. Forever. Yeah. For years. Like he's their guy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's actually good. And he was actually, if anything, if anything, they pushed him too soon. Right, mm. they pushed him hard too soon. If anyone you, if you want to compare him to anybody there, you compare him to like 2004 Randy Orton, mm-hmm. as far yeah, as getting stuff too, as far as getting stuff too quickly and really not getting comfortable in himself till at till well after his first title reign. 
yeah. right? But Kiyomiya's really good. So, I mean, so like, good. I don't know how you can say, like, oh, he's just Austin Theory. And, and like, another part of me is like, well, so he's a guy who's going to get taken care of for years and pushed, you know, <laughs> and is a top guy forever? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, what a horrible comparison. But, I mean, in reality, like, that's, that's one, not how Japanese wrestling works. Two, highly uneducated, to say something. Yeah. That's a that's a dumb person trying to sound smart. Yep. Scotty, did you ever ask your second question? It was just the N one and J one. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, they I just I just made them one to make life Keno. easier. Keno, get on yeah. get on Keno for the N one. I know you're a big Noah guy, and I like I like Noah a lot. I don't know a big Jake Lee guy, but that's neither here nor there. I, um, I <laughs> I've learned to like Jake Lee because like he was he was a. Uh, he was in the the triple crown picture for so long. Yeah. And like I liked watching his matches with Miyahara, but I think Miyahara Yeah, I like watching Kento him. all the time. Kento's yeah. great. And he like got something because Jake Lee is so like some would say stoic, others would say non-charismatic. <laughs> like Jake Lee would get st- or like uh, Ki- uh, uh Miyahara would get something out of Jake Lee. Yeah. Right. I'm not a I'm not a huge Jake Lee fan, but I get why they're doing it. They had to make the signing right. mean something. Yeah. So now you make Jake Lee mean something in Noah. Um, Keno's the guy. Yeah. I, I love the choice. I love the choice. Also, that reminds me, next next weekend is Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Kento Miyahara. So we must celebrate. That's going to be really good. <laughs> I cannot wait for that match. I cannot wait for that match. That's There's going to be so much kicking. <laughs> <laughs> there is. There is. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but th- Thank you so much for coming on, Thanks, JD. guys. This was a blast. I appreciate you having me. Uh, Scotty, anything to plug on your end? Yeah, follow me at Scotty Wrestling. That's the best That's the best place to follow me. I think it's the same on everything. I don't even know what it is on threads. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, threads I literally signed up for in like two seconds. It was like, oh, I don't like the look of this at all. Why am I seeing these tweets? Mm-hmm. Um, they're not tweets. That's the problem. Uh, maybe they're threads. <laughs> they're, they're threads. <laughs> why, they're why am threads. I seeing these tweets, Scotty? You're not on threads. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're on I Twitter know. again. Um, the the next two weeks are pretty big for me. Obviously, you know, Stardom has their big tournament coming up, so I'll be doing a live show for that uh, next week on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel, probably on the twentieth. If you want to learn about Stardom's big GP, um, you know, G one style tournament, five star Grand Prix, I'll be over there. I have a G one preview coming out written um for wrestle purist this week i will have a five-star grand prix preview on voices of wrestling within the next two weeks written out as well so yeah that that's about it and i think i i just i have interviews too but <laughs> i don't know when those are coming out so i'm not even gonna act like i know but yeah that's it i will say that you guys had a, a nice little history of the five-star grand prix on stardom road a couple weeks ago as well oh uh, yes plug my stuff for me because uh-huh. i don't remember uh-huh <laughs> it, is there i'm the worst person at plugging things well the ever. problem is is you have a billion things happening so it's hard to plug everything all at once uh, yeah you have you're, sure scotty scotty you, people tell me that i don't have that many things it i think it just feels like you have a billion things yeah. it does it does feel like that. It does feel <laughs> like that. You're I, quite prolific, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Not all of it. I like to think all of it's good. It's not. But I try. And that's what matters, right? I try, uh, which can be bad. But, uh, oh, and you need my match of the week. Shit. Well, we don't have to do match of the week this week if you don't want to. Oh, uh, well, it was going to be Moxley Desperado. So, right, fair enough. There you go. Um, 
Yeah, no. Uh, and, and, hey, if you want to listen to the only two good things that Scotty does, that's Stardom Road and Ring Post Radio uh, on the Canon Network. Uh, mean. Uh, rude. Well, hold on. I'm also, I'm also complimenting you because you also do No, you things. said it's the only two good things I do. I do <laughs> too course. many things for those to be the only good things I do. Of course. But we also got a bunch of other great shows like Okada Shorts. I believe they are doing their... Uh, uh, da- I guess not daily, but practically daily G1 updates as well this year. G1 Climax updates along with Your Dose of Death. Um, I sort of said it throughout the show, but subscribe to patreon.com forward slash kind of pod. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff there. We'll have another episode. Uh, well, last week we had the episode of Ryan Hasn't Seen Anything where <laughs> it was from the Anoki Genome Federation. That's right. <laughs> yeah, baby, get into it um yeah we watched it's bad it gets worse jd we watched kazuyuka fujita uh defend the igf title versus bobby lashley that's what we uh 2011 it was so bad so i've never seen that match you can watch it it on you can watch it on patreon.com forward slash can i pod (laughs) it was so bad well, yeah, you can wow. hear our thoughts. And uh, we also watched Vader us. beat the snot out of Anoki in two seconds. That was sick. But that was that's later. All, in, I, that I have seen. That's that later in the great. season, Scotty. That's later in the season. That's tease. Oh, sorry. Ah, damn it. <laughs> it's great though. We were talking about Vader. I had to bring it up. That's fair. I love Vader. He's my. I think he's my favorite wrestler. Um, Ever. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Ryan Nancy. Follow me, I think, on Threads at Ryan Nancy Six. I think that's what it is. I don't remember. Nancy? Yeah. No, wait. I'm not on Threads. I only count out. The count out is on Threads. There you go. <laughs> yeah. My Instagram is R- Nancy for some reason. I don't remember why. Um. Anyways, something follow- when you were a kid. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan Nancy. Follow the host show at Count Out Pod. Uh, JD, again, we very much appreciate you having on the show uh it's our third thank you uh we will see everyone actually this upcoming week with our g1 climax preview of chris samsa and again the following sunday for ring post radio live this has been a count out podcast hey have you guys heard of the new show on the count out network the ichiban sweetcast it's the brand new New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast starring the International Wrestling Grand Prix. That's me, your good friend, Curtis Spears. And me, your bad friend, Rafe Houston. And we're here to talk about everything New Japan Pro Wrestling, reacting to everything, getting worked up, getting very happy, sometimes crying. Kind of like like something else we used to do, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was the old uh, Okada Shorts podcast, right? Ah, that's right. And if you love that show, you're going to love this show because it's exactly the same show. Yeah, we just had to change the name. Yeah, we, we did. But you can check it everywhere on a social media handle that we haven't made yet. <laughs> yeah, we're really new to this. So <laughs> what you can do is search on your favorite podcast catcher of choice. Look for the Ichiban Sweetcast. Sweetcast, Ichiban.